0: Amen. Girls, welcome back to another rousing rendition of the Brethren Podcast. Now, of course, you haven't heard from us in a while, and ain't nobody seen each other in a while because we're in this thing called quarantine, COVID-19. But as always, I'm joined by my illustrious Brethren, uh, Desherin Wells of Desherin Wells Consulting, and Dr. Jamal Loving, PhD CFP of Loving Consulting, LLC. And we're also joined by a special guest this evening. You've heard him on a previous episode, our good brother, Ryan Randolph um who is a a vp of a major bank i don't know if we want to you know put the names and all of that stuff out there so we'll just leave it at that he's a vp of a major banking institution here in america um in the southeastern region um so welcome my good brethren uh welcome back it's great to see you all and uh we also doing this different we never done video so we figured we'd give y'all a little uh something special during the quarantine so let's just go around checking with everybody uh Brother Wells, how you doing, my good brother?
1: I'm great, man. Things are going well here. Uh, obviously, we're trying to be as responsible as possible. We're practicing social distancing. Both the wife and I are working from home. Fortunate enough to be off the road, spent a little catch-up time with Dallas. As you know, he turned two this past weekend, so we did a uh, we did a virtual party for him. But again, trying to do the responsible thing, man, and uh, you know, stay home to help help those who. Uh, might be more impacted than we are. So hope that everybody's staying safe, healthy, happy, and maintaining some level of sanity during this uh, uh this shelter in place, so to speak. Most definitely, most definitely. Doc, check in.
2: Yeah, it, man, it's nice to actually see y'all, man. This is all right. This yeah. this is good. I mean, it's, it's always nice to hear your voices, but it's nice to see you too. Especially during times like these, I appreciate the relationships that I have out there with family, friends, and we're really getting to appreciate the the nuclear family because we're spending a lot of time with one another. So um, it's nice to also talk with some folks outside the house, too, um, and it, it's good <laughs> to have some, some other discussions about uh, what... what buy things other than what's the next thing I'm gonna be foraging for at the grocery store and whether or not I'll be able to get our brand of toilet paper. The jewelry <laughs> is still out. So <laughs> nice nice to see you and I hopefully we'll have some conversation that can both entertain
1: and, and help some folks. So hey, dog looks like a lavender type of cat, don't
2: he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a- I have, you know, I'm a shaman, ultra-strong individual. <laughs> but that right there, the, in this day and age, is nearly impossible to come by. Hey,
0: that's gold t- right there.
2: Hey, man, that, that great value, ultra-strong, is not nearly the same level of comfort, bro. And I can tell you that I am not in a place of comfort nor security during these tough times of COVID. <laughs> Oh, no, ain't no, ain't nothing like
0: normal right now. We got a lot of work to do, <laughs> brother Randolph. How you doing, man?
3: Hey, man, I'm good, man. Um, you know, huge supporter of the show, so it's always a blessing to
1: you know grace the show with you, brothers.
3: Um, always learn a lot, so definitely glad to have the opportunity to join. Uh, like Destry said, you know, just um, social distancing. Uh, trying to do the right thing, trying to, you know, uh, do what I can to, to save another life. Um, uh, and and just want to add that for those who are working, um, you know, count your blessings, man, because some days, you know, lately, my job is, has been times 50. Like I've, I've been working till eight, nine, 10 o'clock uh, most nights. And but I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, unfortunately are not working. So, um, you know, I just you know, my thoughts and prayers are out to everybody who's really struggling during this time. And so um, I'm just doing my part to help. And hopefully we can get over this hump. So um, but glad to be on brothers.
0: Glad to be on. Most definitely. Most definitely. We definitely appreciate you because you have some some great insight. that's much needed that we're going to pass along to people. Um, I think we're going to you know, it's going to kind of be an after show. Mixed blend, just because you know we got to make it lighthearted for the people, um, so and they haven't seen us in a while. And this is like, like Doc said, this is our first time doing this in this video format. Where we're seeing each other, our facial expressions, and things of that nature. So <laughs> it's only right that we, you know, what I'm saying, let the, let the reins loose a little bit. So it's gonna be kind of like an after show format where you know what I'm saying we speak our minds and we inject it in as as needed. Um, but in, and also because, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while and we are in this quarantine, uh, Doc is currently out of alcoholic beverages and libations. Uh, DJ and myself never run out. Um, and, and Brother Randolph is, you know, under the uh, constraints of job, you know, he got to be on, he probably got to be on a call in like 10 minutes. So, you know what I'm saying? In an effort of self-preservation, he is uh, foregoing libation this evening with us as well. But we still gonna do it how we normally do it. If it's just me and my brother DJ. Uh cheers, gentlemen, to everyone on this call to uh a great conversation, knowledge being dropped, things being learned, and uh cheers. Still cheers. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have
2: anything, uh,
0: cheers. My pinky up and all that. But here you go. Yeah. Uh dang, we didn't even say what we were drinking, but you already know if First of all, that. we Destrian Destrian is drinking let's Hennessy. Let's see. Destrian is drinking Hennessy. Still. <laughs> that is still consistent in the quarantine. Dest, uh,
2: Destrians drinking Hennessy while wearing a durag. <laughs> hey,
0: uh, I am drinking uh, I ate some chicken earlier. Yes, yes he did. That was and at the pre-show. Dude. And yeah, uh, I'm thinking. drinking old smuggler's whiskey. So you
2: know the the funny thing is we didn't have a lot of pictures of ourselves on the brethren stuff. We may have shocked some folks that didn't know we were black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I think they knew that I was. Yeah. yeah hey,
0: they made Hey, look. It. Let me tell you something. There's enough. There's enough soul in everybody's voice for them to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, to this conversation, we're going to kind of frame it around uh, individual and, and small business financial preparedness. Uh, so that's what we're really going to frame it about. But I want to start off the conversation uh, by passing it over to to, to to Randolph so that he can just give us some insight on some things that he's seen Um uh, on the front lines, and when I say that, uh, like I said, he, he he works for a bank, he's a vice president. So uh, his bank has been deemed as one of the uh, lenders for these SBA loans that are going out, the Paycheck Protection, Economic uh, Industry, Disaster Loans, and I, there's one more, there's like three or four different loans that they're um, giving out. And uh, he's seen the, the applications, he's personally been approving and, and reviewing applications um, and he's just going to give us some insight, of, you know, some of the shortcomings that a lot of small businesses have had and why they're not being approved. Um, and some of the pros of the ones that have been, being approved, what are the things they were doing? Right. And, you know, that from that, we'll, we'll, will flesh out like my, like my brother, uh, DJ said, we'll flesh this conversation out uh, through, through, through that, through that information. Uh, we will take it from there. But Randolph, I'm going to pass it over to you just so you can, you know, just kind of give us a rundown of what you've been seeing um, and kind of a, you know, inner workings of what you what you're actually what you and your your team have actually been doing
3: absolutely appreciate the opportunity bro um, so first of all um, to kind of piggyback on what AJ was saying so absolutely I have been able to uh, review man probably upwards upwards over at least about 500 um, payroll protection program loans um, and a lot of you know, a lot of information has been very glaring. Um, uh, been pretty pretty hard pill to swallow. Uh, first thing I want to say is <laughs> never put all your eggs in one basket. Um, with these financial institutions, especially the larger institutions, we receive, uh, the bank that I work for, we receive over 100,000 applications. And so when you think about that, most banks have a business loan department but the especially during this time right because a lot of people are either not working some people are self-quarantined because they've been infected or um you know we're just the undermanned, and so i'm sure most companies are going through the same thing so when you add that up we had to really fight and claw to to use all the resources we needed to pull as many people as we could to to get them licensed overnight uh, through the SBA in order to have enough bodies to review every single loan. Um, and so when you think of that, we weren't able to hold hands in this process. So if you did not have your paperwork together, if you did not have the correct documentation, I can assure you that you were not getting funded. Um, obviously, I think it was $364 billion and that money ran out within a week. And uh, I believe it's going to be at the house tonight or tomorrow morning to add more funding. And so we'll see where that goes. And we're preparing for that. But I just wanted to, you know, I brought this up to AJ. We were having a conversation the other night. And what I noticed was that a good 50% of the applications that I reviewed um, were lacking very, very, very important information in regards to the documentation that was requested, that either being 941s, um, any one of the 900 forms when it, in regards to payroll or uh, business tax returns, things of that nature. Um, and so, it, you know, I, I thought about it, I said, AJ, you know, I know, you know, I, I thought about it because I knew AJ did consulting. And I said, man, what are you doing for businesses not just on the marketing side right because i know you do packages for clients who you know want to get out there a little bit more clients that want to you know get more revenue streams and uh, get more digital client face and things like that but what are you doing for the clients that simply don't know how to you know run a business and a functionality to where when things come awry or when things come up as far as natural disasters are they prepared that's having proper business insurance. Um, that's being able to document your employee um, uh, payroll. Um, uh, you know, all of those things are even more important than just having an Instagram and a Facebook account and a website. Because when you when it boils down to it, when you when you hit with these troubling times, you have to be able to produce the correct documentation in order to get help. Um, and so there was so many brothers that I mean, you would be surprised um, for business owners who weren't filing taxes, who were, you know, paying people under the table. And I get it. It's, it's you know, when when you think about it, we, owning a small business is great. Um, but, and there's a lot of benefits when it comes to, you know, tax write-offs and things like that and playing employees under the table and things like that. But uh, it's even more important to uh <laughs> it's even more important to have the correct documentation, the correct mindset, uh, and when it comes to, you know, those those type of things. So I saw it, it 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 really hurt because we didn't have the manpower to call every single client and say, Hey, you don't have this right, you need to do this, you don't have this right, you need to do this. So if you didn't have your paperwork right, your application basically got pushed to the side. Um and you know, it was unfortunate because there's going to be a lot of small businesses who have, who, you know, employ a lot of people who aren't going to get the relief that they need. And hopefully they will this second round. Uh, But, you know, just it was very glaring, very hard to, hard to see when it, when it boiled down because, you know, people just weren't prepared, uh, weren't filing taxes. Um, I had, I had business owners with, 60 70 80 employees who didn't know what a 941 was um and i was like man well how are you paying your employees he's like well you know i pay some of the cash i write some of them checks and so he's um he's now you know uh going to the bank to get statements to try to pull things together um so just wanted to bring the topic up i don't want to be long-winded but i know I have a good relationship with some sales reps at ADP who, who can basically do those things for you. Um, And, you know, I think when we're talking consulting uh, in a 360 realm, not just on the digital side, it's important that we, uh, you know, kind of show people that, you know, starting a business is great, but when you, when, especially when you're going to have employees, you're, you're responsible those people right you're responsible for those people and they have families they have children they have wives husbands etc and how you run your business how you document things um is very important and it was glaring to know that there were a lot of businesses with 20 40 50 hundreds of employees who could not come up with the right documentation had no clue what they were looking at um and so you know there's definitely a space to get out and help people and and to make them aware that you know these things are just as important as as marketing and, and all those other things that
0: they want to do to get their business going no most definitely I, we appreciate you for giving that, that that insight i'm gonna pass over to to dj real quick um because i know dj you're a lot uh your client facing often you know of course obviously right now you your your travel has been cut um but i know that me and you had a conversation where you know we talked about the the lasting impression that you give your clients and things of that nature um and setting them up for success and then we'll we'll, we'll throw it in the doc so he can wrap it up, uh wrap it all together because i know doc just recently did a uh, a presentation of alternative investments and financial preparedness and things of that nature but what, what randolph really explained is you know, that, that classic story of a small business that we see, like we're all, you know, besides Doc, Doc's from the, the, the big city of Chicago, but, you know, the rest of us, we're from, you know, small town Alabama, but Doc's, you know, Doc's, Doc has experienced small town, you know, in the South and you know how, you know, that small business run. I'm pretty sure as big as Chicago where Chicago has those small, you know, mom and pop locally owned stores where, you know, the the cook may be getting paid under the table. And, you know, all of the employees, you know, it, I mean, yeah. we, we, we've we been honest and yeah. we know this, yeah. this type of thing happens and this type of thing goes on. But what, what Randolph is really speaking to is in a situation like this, and it doesn't have to be a coronavirus, it can be any kind of natural disaster, it can be any kind of You know disaster period your 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 place of business can catch on fire and things of that nature and randolph briefly mentioned like just having business insurance but then with you know even with having the proper insurance and the proper you know things in place it comes down to when they ask for that paperwork are you even set up for that way and and i know he mentioned you know there were a couple of companies who the small businesses were going through they had the things readily available for so these people are you know at the front of the list and then a lot of these other people are going to fall by the wayside and might not get in where they fit in because they are not prepared. So DJ, I just want to throw it to you was just, and just kind of, you know, just relay that importance of, and just not even, not even on the business side, but just on the individual side being prepared, like, you know, not filing taxes and things of that nature. So when when tragedy hits or, or unexpected hits or emergency hits, how far behind we get put, you know, you know, how far that boulder will really push us back because we weren't prepared with some simple things that we can do. And, then, you know, we like to t- get get into the practicals. And I think that's where Doc can really come in. Just like, what are some of these things that we can do to prevent, you know, not prevent these things from happening, but put us in the best position to overcome when
1: things right. arise? Yeah. So um, Doc says this a lot. He says that you, you have to be able to see Beyond the uh, beyond the forest, despite the trees, and I think this goes back to the uh, back to an analogy that obviously sight is what you can see with your eyes, but a vision is what you can see with your mind. And I think that when you when you really look at both situations, either professionally or personally, you you have a scenario where you have to be able to see further than right now or further than today, so to speak. So what? you guys just heard Randolph talk about was the fact that you could see or envision with your your eyes or what have you the thought or idea of having a business and bringing that to fruition but a lot of people don't have the vision without the assistance of someone else to be able to see further beyond that to see the responsibility that they carry for other people whether that be families their own family employees or what have you you know I think that all destructive behavior doesn't look or feel destructive when you're doing it, but it takes a situation like this to show you that sometimes inaction and being unprepared is a really destructive uh, attribute or part of your personality or or your business. Um, I think another thing that, that Randolph highlights in this is the importance of relationships, not only in a time like this, But just in general, because with the right relationship with your banker, you would have been walking into the bank getting either a quarterly review or you would have had an advisor that would have been looking at this or maybe even a tax professional that you see once or twice a year. And they would have told you in the event of some unforeseen circumstances, you're going to need to, excuse me, you're going to need to be insured. You're going to need to not continually report a loss every year. You're going to want to pay some business taxes. You're gonna to wanna to make sure that the bank sees that you are a fruitful business. And if you are not a very profitable business, but that you have strong sales, it's just that your overhead is high. You may need the bank to come in and uh, float you or give you a line of credit, so to speak. That's no different than the credit or collateral that you have with people in your personal relationship. And during times like these, again, when you think about the people that you surround yourself with, you know, your personal network going back to that board of directors or your power circle like we talked about in previous seasons and the previous episodes, you know, when resources become scarce, the ability to float ourselves is one of the most critical things that we have to bank on. And do you have the right relationships? And have you done the right thing by those relationships to put you in a position to access whatever that capital, help, or assistance might be? So I think this is a, a cautionary tale, not only uh, for us individually and as small business, but as a society about, A, reciprocity, but B, not waiting to the day of the trip to pack. I mean, it's, it's too late. And to, to Randolph's point, it's basic things, simple things that are putting you at the back of the line simply because you were unprepared. And so, you know, what does that look like for a family? You know, we often talk about we should put three, six, nine months away. Maybe that's not feasible for everyone, but step one could be to clean your credit up and get your credit together. Because the spaces where you don't have cash to float mm-hmm. yourself, you can easily pull out that safety deposit box and go get that credit card that you haven't been using or what have you. Or you can call your current creditors and increase your limits based on, the again, the relationship that you have with them. So we have to be very cautious and cognitive of the relationships we have. We have to protect them with our integrity and our actions. But number two, we have to cultivate them, and we have to share <clears> the <throat> things that we're thinking with those are, that are in a position to help us, because Randolph may have 10 or 15 clients right now that he could have helped, if they would have been more forthcoming about their business, the way that they were set up, or what have you, you know, um, we have to we have to have we have to stop having this protectionist type of attitude around our our ideas, right? You know, sometimes someone can help you take your idea to the next level. So, um, in essence, what I'm saying, if I was going to wrap this up, is that I think there are probably three things that we really need to pay attention to based on this situation, s- specific to the business arrangements and the loans and also the personal relationships is, it's, it's too late for me to show up to build a relationship in times of crisis. I should have built that relationship at times of peace. The second thing that I would say is that you have to figure out your 80-20. You know, what What does my 80-20 look like? Who are the five, six people that I'm going to spend the most time with where I'm going to ultimately become the next one of those people. And you really need to water that grass and you need to make sure that they are deeply aligned with what you're doing because that's where you're spending your time. So if I have a friend that is in a position to help me from a business standpoint, I've now waited until my business is in the worst shape possible to go to those people and ask for help when I could have included them on the front end, if I wasn't having this protectionist attitude, number three, from a family standpoint and from a business standpoint, we have to start beginning with the end in mind and become more visionaries than just being able to uh, to see what's in front of us today. And I think we do that by building teams of people and not not leaning into our own uh, individual wisdom or what we think our knowledge base is but by surrounding ourselves with people that can challenge us, that might even be smarter than us, and we would hope that we're not always the smartest person in the room. And I think once you get those dynamics in place, your level of preparedness goes up because you see how, A, other people are living their lives, but B, how they respond to things like this. And if you come out on the other side of this, the same as you went in, you actually took several steps back. So my challenge would be, to find ways and find areas of deficiency, and instead of running from it, I want you to own those things, because you know, fear doesn't stop death or bad things from happening. It actually just stops you from living. So, instead of being fearful, why not just be prepared? So, you know, those would be my comments around around that matter, and uh, happy to pass it to Doc to, uh, to clean, clean it up a bit for us.
2: <laughs> and I don't know that it needs to be cleaned up very much. I feel like you said a lot of what needed to be said on that in terms of uh you know putting together your team. I talk to people about this all the time. I think that a lot of times people, especially entrepreneurs, have great ideas and, and, and vision in some ways. Um, in terms of they can see what it is that you know, hey man, I'm I'm really good at cutting hair, or I'm really good at cooking and I'm going to start doing what I do well and selling it. And that's important to have that drive and you start doing it. But the problem is you have to recognize that, you know, turning a talent into a business and maybe into a firm after that and really developing and going forward Well, you have to put a lot of organization around what you're doing. So it can't just be, um, it can't just be like, Oh, you know, just my passion pushing things along it's just not going to work you're going to have to have that team in place um the nice thing is that because of automation now you can get a lot done much more inexpensively than you could in the past right and you can get you can you know even if you're in the country somewhere you can leverage um banking relationships uh, to To get all of the to get all of the necessary sort of of skill around you, even though they're not physically around you, and so recognize that it's you know that is there for you, but you have to you have to really go out to get it to a certain degree, and you have to you can't as Destrian said you can't operate in secrecy, and and it's tough because I I will be I will be the first to acknowledge that the financial services industry and business in general has not always been fair with black people. It's just right. true. And so I know that there's some apprehension out there about getting all these folks in your business. I understand that, you know, people feel like if I tell them what it is that I'm making, what I'm doing, how much I'm paying folks, they're going to figure out some kind of way to take it away from me. And that is a that is a deep-seated fear that whether we like to admit it or not, a lot of Black people who are successful in a lot of ways always have this understanding because we've seen it happen. We saw a whole Black Wall Street go, go up in flames. We know, especially Black people in the South, that being successful can paint a target on your back in certain ways. And so there's that apprehension that's out there. But the problem is that... Um, It's not just in times like these when things are tough that you have disadvantages. You also take disadvantages and potential advantages, excuse me, away from yourself because people don't know how successful your company is. And so you haven't put yourself in a position where people can fund your expansion, right, or new ideas that you have. And so fear and greed are always toxic when it comes to rational decision-making, right? And so if if you're operating from a space of greed or just trying to get, 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 without without having something in exchange to really give and grow, you're likely to to have a fall. And when you operate in fear, even if you do what you do well, you're likely to end up messing up at some point because you're reacting to things in ways that are gonna be unhelpful for you. All right. So operating in fear and operating in greed, both of those things are going to be toxic to rational decision making for you. You have to recognize that there's tools out there and there's people out there that can help you. You do have to be careful about who you trust and make sure you sign everything. You know, you don't just give anything away carte blanche, but you have to be careful about thinking that you're getting over by people not knowing what you're doing. A lot of times people are missing out on tax breaks because they're not uh, allowing somebody else in who's a tax professional to help them with the process. And they think that they're saving money by paying people under the table. And at the end of the day, they end up spending more money. The people who are getting paid under the table aren't contributing to social security and they aren't setting up future funds for themselves to come in when they get ready to retire. So then they're, they're shortcutting themselves. You know, a lot of times people think that they're getting over. And really what's happening is you're getting yourself into a pickle, right? You think you're getting over, but you're not. And then it's times like these where you recognize, hey, I'm a business, hey, I employ people, hey, I feed the community, hey, I make the world a better place. And then you get ready to, uh, to try to apply for some funds, and you've been paying taxes. And someone like Ryan is trying to put you in a position where he can help you, but you don't have any of the documentation because you haven't, uh, you, you you know, you haven't been keeping it, and you don't even know necessarily what it is. And you, by virtue of the fact that you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to do what seems to you like like it makes sense to seem like they is They do not apply when you're talking about government funds and you're talking about things that come in regimented ways. And so even though there's this whole perception that all of these big companies were able to get the money because they have cozy relationships with the banks and the small companies weren't able to get the money as easily because they don't have the same type of prioritized relationship with the banks. I'm, I'm guessing that some of that may be true in terms of the priority for some people. But if you haven't put even, you know, if you haven't put the, the actual paperwork in there the way that it was supposed to be, you wouldn't have got it. The, the big guys always do it the right way. They know precisely what they need to do, right? Heck, they probably had somebody on the committee that drew up the, the governmental paperwork as to how it's supposed to go. And they walked home with a mock-up of what exactly it was supposed to look like and knew precisely what they were going to do to get Ruth Chris and Shake Shack some money that they didn't need. But your rib shack doesn't have that benefit. And so you have to have, you need to know Randolph. You need Mm -hmm. to have tight relationships with people who can help you access funds in good times so you can expand your rib shack, but also help you in tough times so that you can pay your people so you don't have to shut down, so you can actually afford to, you know, to keep going during times like this. And you've paid for because you've been paying taxes too. You've paid for this opportunity to do this. And so I have, before you know, I get too far and, and forget my question, because uh, Randolph, in terms of what people who didn't get uh, funded and know in their mind that their stuff, that they didn't have, but they went on here and put that application in anyway, what should they do? Should they start all the way over? Should they contact? You know, because at this point, I know it's late, but what would be your advice to those people?
3: Well, um, and both you guys, amazing information. Um, I, I like to take notes. so I was taking notes the whole time. But what we're doing as a bank, we had we set up a platform within 48 hours to where clients could uh, access a portal and upload their documents. And because there were so many applications, we were told not to um, basically show any favoritism to any local clients or whatnot. You were assigned a certain amount of loans, and you go in and see what documentation they have. If they don't have it, you can message them in their portal. Um, and at that time it'll tell you, Hey, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. Um, so that's what we're doing. And for clients, um, that were missing documentation, hopefully they're getting their stuff together now because we're going to go through a second round. Um, at this point, I don't know if you haven't done an application because we had a hundred thousand applications from the very beginning in the early April stages of April. And only about 35 of those applications, 35,000 of those applications are gonna get funded. So we still have 60 plus thousand applications that either didn't have the right documentation. So we are gonna go back and do a second look at those. Hopefully they've uploaded the correct docs, uh, whatever information that we requested from them. And so hopefully we can get them in. But as far as opening up the application process all over again, I'm pretty sure most of the large banks are not because they have so many applications that are just still pending that did not, were not able to get through the first time. Um, So there is still a chance if you, you know, depending on what bank uh, you bank with. I also wanted to say when I said uh, from the very beginning, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, expand also your relationships with your bank. Because or, or different banks, because I have several clients that although they have a relationship with Truist, they still had a community bank that they had a relationship with and a small bank that they had a, a smaller bank that they had a relationship with. And they were able to contact them because I was not able to ha- hold clients' hands through this process. They were able to get through through a smaller bank um, and and. And they were able to kind of have those one-on-one conversations where I wasn't in the position to have those one-on-one conversations because I was, you know, solely invested in that process. So, um, but to answer your question, there's still hope for some that have sub- submitted applications, and you know, if you know, hopefully they were able to gather that information uh, in some form of fashion to to get in on this second wave.
0: definitely um great information from everybody great practical steps from everybody too i just want to reiterate some points that everybody brought up um just the just the the relationship portion um that everybody touched on is is really key especially when we're talking about businesses and um one of the things that i tell my clients that i that i deal with is i tell them I, that that i am able to give them resource procurement and they always ask me, what, what is that? And in layman's terms, I tell them if you, if you want it or you need it, I will do everything I can to get it for you or find out where you can get it from. And that, you know, in most people's minds is a, a physical tangible thing. Like, Oh, you know, if you need a car, I will get you a car. And it's, for me, I'm like, no, I'll get you relationships. I'll get you networks. I'll link you with people that can do And doc brought up a point. Um, uh, and, and, and Randolph and, 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 and district brought the point. Um, and this is a shameless plug for doc because doc recently added on the, the official title of CFP, which is certified financial planner. Now, granted doc has had his PhD. He's the first black PhD in financial planning in the country. He's been teaching financial planning for, you know, years now. And it was, it was, it blew my mind because he wasn't a certified financial planner <laughs> but now doc is a officially certified financial planner put them letters behind his name phd cfp if you if you heard me in the in the intro um but and, and doc brought up the point of just where people don't want to really uh let people in and like you said like you when, when you're turning especially for those those small businesses where you're turning a talent into a business that talent is your expertise that's your lane And it would behoove you to cede the expertise in certain areas, arenas, and realms to those particular people. Me, I am not a financial person. All three of my brothers on this call me right now are in the financial industry. Doc is a certified financial planner. Destrian is a financial advisor. Uh, Randolph is 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 a vice president of the bank. I don't work for a bank i don't work for any financial institutions i don't teach finance i might have only took finance one-on-one and that was the end. you know so that's my knowledge i have basic knowledge of finance you know i can look over a checkbook and statements and things of that nature and know they took some money i got some money but it, i i say all that to say like when when we're talking about these small businesses and building these relationships those are some of the relationships you need to build you know, and it can be on the professional slash personal level or strictly professional. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about building these power circles, we need to make sure that, you know, we are keeping certain people around, especially if you are in business for yourself, even if you're not in business and you're just talking about individually, all individuals, couples, businesses need to have somebody mm-hmm. of some kind of financial expertise on their team. If it's no more than just a great friend who doesn't mind, taking a quick look at some books or taking a quick look at your financial statements or just giving you sound financial advice. You need to have these people around so that when situations like what uh, COVID-19 is bringing about, you're slightly prepared or you have an upper hand. Like Randolph said, there are a lot of people who just don't even know what a payroll tax form is. Now that leads me to bring up two questions. Like one, do, do those people have a proper payroll HR department that's running it or are they doing it themselves? And how have they been getting by this long? Because as we know, when it comes to taxes and things of that nature, if you are doing this, you know, if you're doing it the wrong way, the government don't care if you didn't know. <laughs> they are gonna come for that bread. So you can't hit the government with like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't understand the rules. Well, then their response is, well, you should have hired somebody who was, who was qualified to do that. And then even when we, when we bring up the individual portion, we, we see what will happen with the stimulus checks, depending on who you use as your tax professional. So a lot of these people's stimulus checks went to their tax professionals because of the way that they had their business set up. Who do I fault? I fault everybody. Because that's something you need to understand and know. You need to read the fine print things of that nature. You need to have the right people in your power circle, on your team so that things like that don't happen to you. There are people, and I, I think, Doc, you you said it. You said you're operating out of fear and greed. And it's, it's crazy because me and Randolph were talking the other night. And, we were, and I just brought up the point that a lot of, I say that a lot of people are operating out of desperation right now. And it's the same thing. Desperation, fear, greed, all falls in the same category. Where we got people right now who are not working or their income has been cut. Uh, you know, the household income has been cut and they're having to make drastic changes, if not some small changes to certain things. Um, Randolph was giving me an example of uh, one guy, his company, you know, didn't fire everybody, but they made everybody take a 25% pay cut, and his wife also lost her job. So now their household income is cut. You know, by her income plus an additional 25%. So what does that look like for people? That means desperation is setting in. You know, and 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 restaurants. You know, they're relying on you know 50 to 70% of dining customers, which now you can't dine in. So now you're operating strictly off of takeout, which if your customer base can't afford it because they're, they're also not working. Now your 30% revenue of takeout is being cut to 20% or something of that nature. You know, just random numbers that I'm making up, but hopefully everybody gets the point, but it's, you know, that like, like doc said, operating out of fear and greed and desperation where um, if, like we are saying, if you have these relationships and things set up beforehand when times are good, a lot of this, you know, a lot of the desperation, fear, and greed can, can be lulled uh, just by having a slightly more comfortable position than you would be in versus, you know, like the the people who were able to even know about the loans and get their applications in, whether it's wrong or, you know, whether they were missing some pieces or whatnot, the fact that they're in the portal on time and they still have a chance versus those people who literally found out probably the day that they shut everything down. It's like, you know, but who were you, who were you surrounding yourself with to kind of get that, get that upper hand? It's like, you know, as a, as a, as a business consultant, I let, you know, everybody I know who's on that level is like, Hey, here are the resources. This is as much information as th- that I've gathered about it. I've, I've deciphered it for you and, you know, do with this as you will. My suggestion to you is you go out here and try to get this because this, you know, it's not necessarily a free handout but it's is something that, you know, they're giving out the help and, and you know, especially as a small business, we've seen the government bail out huge businesses multiple times over our lifetimes. And this is, you know, really for, for me, this is my first time seeing them really reach out to, you know, to the people who are really running, you know, who, the private industry, the small businesses who are running things. So I just wanted to bring up and, and, and keep reiterating that point of just, you know, relationships because solid relationships, can, you know, not necessarily just get rid of this stuff. It can, you know, put you in a better place than a lot of people are in right now, just by having solid relationships. Like if you, you know, if you got the right people on your team, you may have lost your job, but you may have the right relationship with somebody who's working for a company who's hiring right now. Now, what that looks like right now that, you know, that's a whole nother conversation hazard pay and being on the front lines. Like I know Amazon was, you know, went out and hired, you know, a bunch of people you know now that may not be the thing for everybody, but just having a relationship with somebody who may you know know that information and things of that nature can drastically change the situation that people are in and and keeping them from operating out of fear, greed, desperation, and things of that nature um but the next point I wanted to bring up uh and I'm gonna throw it to doc first is and this is where the conversation will get get a whole lot realer um all three of us besides Randolph are. Uh, Doc, you're, you're 100% working from home right now, right? Because yeah. the school is, yeah. Industrians uh 100% working from home. I'm 100% working from home. Uh, but Randolph, by him working in the bank, banks, of course, are still open. They're not, you know, they're they're doing drive-through only. Um, so depending on the day, Randolph is, you know, physically going into a branch. He's locking himself in his office, social distancing, and all of that, and things of that nature. But um, I, Doc always brings up people are more important things. And, and the reason why I say the conversation will get real here is because we are seeing um, and I said, I said, it to, I said it to Randolph yesterday, I think when we sit still, we kind of see more of what's actually going on than if we were, if we were moving and we're seeing that people are understanding that they're more important than things, but the, the structure that is, you know, what we, what a lot of people are putting their, their, their faith, not, you know, not their, not their religious faith, but what they're putting their faith and, and things into, they're realizing that it's, it's a facade. It's not real. It's like, oh, there is no real, there's, there's no such thing as job security. As secure as you thought your job was now, all of a sudden now your job has literally been taken away from you. And so I want to, I want, I want that to be the theme right now, because people are more important than things, but how is that, how is that being framed to people now? Because they're, they're, they're seeing it on both sides now. There are people who are like, now we're seeing who the real heroes are. Like we looked at, you know, the postal worker, the grocery store worker and all these people who were like, we want more money. And you're like, you know, some people didn't care. Some people, you know, understand it from a, from a grand perspective, but now we're seeing these people are still essential workers but then we're seeing the other you know people on the other side of that who are like I thought I was essential and it's like people are more important than things are they yeah if you're over here and if you're over here but then even the people that are essential they may or may not be getting their just due everybody's not getting hazard pay right now some people that the companies kept them on like i said they got a 25% pay cut some companies gave out i know i know some people that got $2500 bonuses from their jobs i know people that got you know $1000 bonuses from their job the fact that some companies are giving more money than the federal government is giving out people, and then some companies are taking some of their money back and things of that nature. So that's, I, you know, that's that the that conversation I want to frame right now. And like I said, this is the after show format, so you know, speak your mind. But Doc, to throw it to you because that's your phrase. People are more important than things.
2: Now that's that's hey, you if you hadn't said it, I would, and I probably still will but uh there's a there's a song we used to sing at church and it and uh had in, in on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand now more than ever you can see that all of the ground really is sinking sand right you're you're trusting your job um, you know, even your trust in and politicians on, on whatever side, thinking that uh, these people were going to go in and save you in, in some kind of way. You recognize now that you know Christ did, and in, in, in the Lord Himself is, is your hope, and He speaks to and through all of us. And that's why, when I say people are more important than things, that's why it's important because God speaks to and through people, and we can relate to one another in ways that help us serve as angels almost to one another. And so that's why it's important not to operate out of fear and greed and close yourself off from opportunities for people to be able to come in and help you in certain things in your life. But you also have to be praying for wisdom and discernment and thinking and reading and feeding your mind so that you can make the decisions going forward. Because right now we're in a tough situation, but I heard people saying the next year, there's a likelihood that in the fall we'll be dealing with both the flu and COVID. So there'll be a situation in the not too distant future where we'll be having some tough times going, going forward. And if that's not the tough time, then there'll be another tough time after that. And even in between those tough times, there'll be opportunities. And so you have to decide what it is that you are going to do to be that that steady force in the life of your family and your friends and the people who care about and love you, right? Are you going to build that network of people who can help you? Are you going to start to do the things so that you can be organized and approach problems constructively? Are you going to start disciplining yourself so that you're saving money and, and putting yourself in a position where you have something to lean on financially when times get lean, then You're probably more likely to be more successful going forward. If you continue to do things as you've done them and those actions have created the chaos that you're experiencing now, continuing to do those same things is likely to bring more chaos or worse going forward. So this needs to be a wake up call on several levels. I mean, on the level of your understanding of yourself and how you relate to one another and, and how you relate to others and your understanding of where you put your trust and and who you depend on and who you are and whose you are, it, you know, coming coming from it for real. That's the way that, that I think about it. It's times like these that, uh, you know, it's important to actually get in and read the Bible for yourself, especially when you can't not really go to church and have somebody read it out loud for you. It's still there. It's on that app on your phone. When you are looking for wisdom, it's a whole book of Proverbs right there to talk to you about what it is that you need to be doing going forward. It's all in there. And so for for me, you know, that's, that's the way that I look at it, but also it's important that you set your mind in, in a sort of optimistic place where you're thinking, Hey, How do I win going forward? What's my next thing that I do so that we can win going forward? And so all of that is depending on doing the right thing uh, for your family, doing the right thing for the people around you, being a productive uh, person that can actually help others. And, And by virtue of that productivity, you're gonna be helping yourself too, but you need to be organized in your approach. And you need to think about what it is that you're, you're going uh, to do next. You can't allow the fact that, t- that stuff is hard right now and difficult to let to allow you to give, give up and then just let life happen to you. Because the more that you do that, the worse it's gonna get.
1: Well, so one thing I'd like to add to the back end of that. So everything you're saying, I agree with. And I think it, it kind of ties into this aspect around emotion and what it is. So we talked a little bit about fear, we talked a little bit about greed, and uh, Arthur talked a little bit about people being desperate. All of these are emotions. Emotions are ultimately what makes us human, is what makes us real. And I think we also need to understand that when you break down the word emotion in general, like emotion is energy in motion. So emotion, energy in motion. And what you do with that energy is of great value or uh, great disservice to you. So I think, you know, we learned very early that, you know, uh, energy can either be destroyed or eliminated or whatever. It's either kinetic or potential. So we're all operating from a space of either kinetic or potential energy. And I think in times like these, we need to develop a little bit more persistence to have some kinetic energy going And that is the idea, sharing. that is those things because, you know, even though we may have the emotion of fear, we may have the emotion of greed, we have that emotion of uh, desperation, it's important that you have people around you that you can be honest about those emotions and how you're feeling to allow them to come in and do exactly what you said, Dr. Loving, and let you know that. You are more important than the things, not just physical things, but the things that are going on right now to provide a sense of calm, because I think this is taking a, a mental toll on families and individuals in ways that they probably haven't expected or whatever. You know, listen, I am, um, my family worked hard growing up and, you know, we, we may have had it slightly better than most, but we was on the block. You know, and so I know what it is to come home and the cable's out and you turn that TV on and you say, what's this? And she, my mom would tell me, you better come sit down here and eat this food because you got friends that don't have food. And that's perspective, right? right? I also look at it from a standpoint of I've probably already been through something similar to this. It doesn't bother me to have to stay at home. The people that I chose to have in my life, right for an extended period of time when I didn't choose to be at home with my mom and she would ground me. So, you know, because I've come from a background of discipline and things of that nature, some things become status quo. So either you're going to adapt to the environment, have the proper people around you, share your real emotions and feelings because you want to get positive energy and emotion. Or you kind of drown in a sea of, you know, Um, self-pity or, or loathing. Those are actions that are not fruitful for you at all. So to AJ's earlier point, like you gotta, you gotta find some positive things and move in that direction. While, you know, Randolph said it earlier, like, Hey, you know, be thankful if you have a job that you even hate going to, because some people don't have anything to go to right now. And even outside of that, Count it a blessing if you found more time on your hands than maybe you didn't have. Because now you can cultivate your passion. And, you know, I'll just put it out there right now. If there's someone out there that's found themselves in a situation where they've lost their job or what have you, and they have a passion that they're really dedicated and serious about, I'm right here to help you draft that business plan, to help you try to find funding for it, um, to connect you with the author Woodson to help you market your business. To, to talk through what your budget and things like that should look like with the Dr. Loving. There's no shortage of resources. So I think we have to get beyond the point of being, again, fearful, greedy or what have you, find some balance. And I think that balance is in the, in the word or form of solutions. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? And who are the people that I need to include in that? And I think the sooner we do that, Uh, collectively, individually, and as small businesses, the better off we'll be. And then finally, you said something I thought was really important about habits and about the way we view things. You know, uh, one of my favorite books is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it talks about the philosophy of, he says rich people, but I would say wealthy people. Because rich probably means nothing in this day and age, right? So the philosophy of wealthy people versus rich people is that specifically in a time like this wealthy people um invest what they make or they 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 invest what they make and they spend what's left Uh, poor people or people who are struggling tend to spend what they make and invest what's left and that is a huge disconnect between establishing and growing wealth especially in an environment like this if if the jordans Um, not just the George's, if most things were on sale from a retailer, most of the people I know would get in a line and go buy it. Stocks, bonds, and otherwise are on sale. We should be in line buying those things the same way we consume uh, these goods from these retailers on a regular basis. If you're not buying stocks and bonds at this huge discount, and there's ultimately almost, and I use the word almost strongly, nowhere to go but up, you're not taking advantage of a sale. And I think is changing the narrative to see the world in those terms, uh, terms that we really don't talk about a lot. But if people are more important than things, then someone that's listening to this should tell a friend that they know, don't know that, Because if you didn't know and you're listening to this, it's likely that the group of people that you are are hanging out with, having conversations with, don't know. Because I learned things from these gentlemen in passing in all our conversations. So we need, again, the protectionism. If you get something, share. Um, When Doc sees something, he sends it to me. If AJ sees something, he sends it to me. If if Randolph sees something, he's going to send it to AJ, And AJ is going to send it to us. You need to surround yourself again. It goes back to relationships. You have to surround yourself with people who basically give a damn about you and your family and where you're going to be, not tomorrow, but three, five, seven, ten years from now, regardless of what happens. And they see your potential and they call you out on it. If I don't do something I said I was going to do, I'm going to get several phone calls. And it's going to be from people that you're viewing on the screen and then consequently my wife, of course. But at the end of the day, accountability is something that we can't run from. And I think it is a cornerstone of people being more important than things. It's being personally accountable to those who matter most to you and who those that you are responsible for either directly or passively. So I'm sorry I had to jump in on that, AJ, but I just wanted to throw that in based on what Doc has said Almost definitely. Um, It always
0: amazes me that, you know, like we've said before in the past, we do not, uh, we don't plan these calls except for just all coming together and saying, hey, this is the time that we're going to get on and this is, you know, this is the topic. We don't plan this, but it amazes me every single time that we've been on here and we've been talking and we've literally, you know, almost verbatim mentioned past show t- titles, uh, in terms of content, uh, DJ alluded to emotional intelligence, the power circle. uh, Um, so, you know, and we're, we're in this situation right now. If you are in quarantine, now will be a good time to go back and listen to uh, past episodes of the Bradford podcast. Um, and that's just, that's just the real of it. Um, because all of these points that we've made, uh, we've done full episodes on each topic specifically. Um, so now would be a great time to go back and revisit those. If you've already listened to them or if you've never listened to them, go back and go, go and listen to them um, just to get a better understanding of, you know, what we're talking about. It's like, you've read the introduction here, go back and read the rest of the story on each, you know, like the emotional intelligence episode, the power circle episode, and you'll get a a, a, a greater uh, understanding of what we're really trying to convey to everybody, um, which is, you know, putting people in a better situation mentally um, to get things accomplished. Um, but I think we've done a great job of, 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 you know, getting this conversation going and hopefully everybody will continue this, you know, amongst their power circles and things of that nature, just getting ready because, you know, you know, uh, this too shall pass. So this isn't going to last forever, but, you know, like doc doc mentioned earlier, you know, there's, there's talk, this is going to come back. The flu comes back every year. This is another virus. There's potential that it's going to come back again. But what we learned from this time is drastically going to affect how we, you know, enter and come out of it when it does rear its ugly head again, you know, you don't want this to happen again. And we get the same thing happening, you know, thousands of people dying healthcare being overloaded, people losing their jobs. This can't be a normal thing. So, you know, if this doesn't do anything, like DJ said, we got to come out on the other side of this better. You know, some kind of way you got to get better during this and, you know, I'll be one to admit, you know, it's not easy. Everybody, and this is something that, you know, me and my wife talked about a lot during this quarantine. It's like, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, I wish I could work from home. Now you, you know what I'm saying? People, <laughs> a lot of people a a lot of people getting a lot of people getting to it and it's like, I don't know if I can really work from home 24, you know, all day, every day, and then somebody else working from home with you too. And you got, you know, you might got a kid, two kids, you know, three kids. And, you know, and it's like, this ain't really, you know, granted, you know, if you really work from home, there'll be, a, you know, some slight differences, you may be able to, you know, go out to a Starbucks and, you know, get some work done or something like that. But that's not, you know, that's not the case right now. So a lot of people are, you know, reevaluating you know, different positions in life and, you know, opinions and things of that nature. And there might be one of them, just like, do you really want that 100% work from home job, you know, because people have been quarantined and they still forget to take the chicken out, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> um, but I definitely appreciate each and every single one of you gentlemen for uh, taking the time out of our, you know, seemingly still busy schedules, uh, because like we said, we're all still working, we're all blessed to still be working and we definitely want to, um not take that for granted. Um uh, because like we said, we personally know people who've been furloughed and fired. And that, you know, that's another conversation to have amongst yourself because a lot, of, you know, some companies furlough people and some companies fire people. And there's a, there's an actual difference. Furlough mean go home when this is over, the job is protected. We can bring you back. Fire means You're going to have to start from, you know, start from jump when this is all over with. So, you know, there's a lot, there's levels to the positions that people have right now. You know, some people are complete, you know, operating out of complete desperation. Some people are operating out of temporary desperation. Some people aren't operating out of desperation right now, you know. And some people, even if, you know, it seems like they're not, they could still be operating on desperation. Like the gentleman, you know, the example that, that that Randolph had given me, you know, his wife lost his job and he got a 25% pay cut. So from the outside looking in, you know, somebody in his circle may be like, well, you still working? Yeah, but we're, we're operating in a deficit right now. So, you know, it's not all good. So that takes its toll. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, like Doc said, people are more important than things. So I, I you know, I, I, I really want people to take the time to um, extend a lot of, a lot more grace and mercy to you know people that you come into contact with, people that you know. Use this time to, you know, reach out and actually give a damn about other people. You know, really and truly, like you know, I, you know, I. Doc and, you know, and, and 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 Randolph, we all got our texts and, you know, we, we text and all of that. But just recently, like with Randolph, I was like, bro, let's just do some video calls. You know, I'm going to hit you up on Duo because I want to see your face. I want to see your emotion. We're going to talk about it because like I, like I said, I know Randolph is, you know, going to work and he's dealing with, like, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we got some stories that he's told us, you know, some of these business owners that got, you know, that got, you know, disappointed and they're operating out of desperation and he's having to hear that. So you know that takes its toll and stuff, so you know i just want i just want to remind people of that so we'll go around i'm gonna, uh extend the courtesy to uh to Randolph to you know give his final thoughts and closing and whatever you want to say um go ahead and then we'll we'll, we'll uh we'll send it to d j dan doc and uh we'll close it out man
3: oh man absolutely bro
0: I just want to say man uh great
3: wisdom and knowledge from everybody tonight uh, I really appreciate it being on um a couple of things that really hit me as I was listening to um, uh, Dershon and uh, AJ, really all of you. Um, I started thinking about some of the other banks when we were talking about the payroll protection program. One of the largest banks in America, they not only require you to have a deposit account with them, but they, they require that you have a lending relationship with them. And so I don't know who said it, but letting people in, right? Letting people in, and the fact that I remember being a banker, and now I do trainings uh, in Georgia for bankers, uh, for new bankers. I remember being a banker and having those conversations with business owners in the branch, and them telling me, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need a line." I don't need this or I don't need that and now it hit me because I'm definitely going to put this in my training when you're giving your value proposition to your business owners or your customers for whatever reason you know you've got to be very compelling and telling them and now you have a coronavirus a COVID-19 pandemic to show them that hey this is an opportunity for me to for you to let me in your business right um Whether it be inviting me out to to see your office or your workspace or your warehouse, whatever it is, um, letting me look at your payroll, letting me look at your your revenue streams or your income uh, statement to see because you telling me you don't need this line of credit could just be you trying to, like the brothers talked about earlier, hide from the IRS, uh, quote unquote, or I don't want them all in my business. But when I look at your breakdown, I may say, well, you know, I don't know how you're reporting this, but it looks to me that you could benefit from a line of credit. Um, And obviously you don't pay on it if you don't use it. So those are some of the small things um, that I wanted to kind of bring up because, you know, some of the larger banks were like, well, you need a loan with us already in order to get this. Um, And I think they went back and changed those requirements, but it was just kind of glaring to see that they were, looking at clients that already had a lending relationship whether they particularly needed it or not and that even goes to the personal side i know so many um you know just keeping it real so many black folk that oh man i don't, you know credit cards and this that and the third um you know kind of like how destra said you know and i remember we talked about this months ago i even called a couple of my cars that i haven't used in almost a couple of years and got you know Several thousand dollar increase, just because I'm like, hey, you never know what could happen. So, being prepared, um, using your resources, this made me think about the old days, right? Before cell phones, before internet, black people had to depend on each other, right? We went to this person's house for for because he could do this, you know. Grandma had the 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 uh, the garden outside with the vegetables, you know. You know, Joe could, you know, he had the truck, so he would bring, you know, if he need, you needed some work done on your house, blah, 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 we got to get back to using our resources, not being in fear, right? And and being so concerned about, oh, well, you know, we all know about the history of this society and this country when it comes to black people, but dwelling on that and thinking about that all the time and that having you in fear is not going to bode well for your future. And so, that was one of the biggest takeaways for me tonight was just that, you know, this is happened for a reason. I believe that it's going to come back in the fall. So, what are you going to do to prepare yourself, your family, so that, you know, you can come out of this? Because I know for sure I'm coming out of this thing, uh, you know, much better than I did when I, you know, coming into it. Um, and obviously, like I said, blessed to be working and, 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 and all of that, but... If not, and sometimes I think about what would you be doing if, you know, I was one of the the, the one of the ones in that number that did get cut or did get laid off or uh, had to file unemployment. What would I be doing? Um, so thinking about that in in different ways and outside of it being my certain you know certain circumstance, um, what would I be doing if 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 you know if I had been let go? So. Um but those are my takeaways i appreciate it um and, and glad to be able to share some 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 knowledge of
0: wisdom of my own no problem hey real real quick before i throw it to you dean i i'm i'm gonna invoke this in uh because randolph randolph's uh story his backstory real quick is you know very interesting, especially when you put it in the framework of where we are right now and and with covid nineteen um Literally, maybe what December was you were with delta you were with delta airlines right crazy right he um, was with delta airlines that was that was partially on a you know relationship thing you know you knew somebody they you know hip you some information you got there, and then, like Randolph said he used to be a banker, he worked with SunTrust for some years, left and uh went to another job and his old boss called him randomly one day and was like, SunTrust and BB&T are merging to form Truist Bank. I'm gonna be a district manager, president of a region. I want you to be my vice president. And this is literally, you know, January-ish that, you know, Randolph starts this job with the bank at Truist. And fast forward to, we're only in April. This is four months. So literally, you know, maybe a month or two months after starting this position, we're in COVID-19 pandemic. And I know for a fact, and we talked about it, Randolph, that if he was still at Delta, he wouldn't have a job right now. You know, because, you know, he he was working in the office. Right he was working in the office you know in the offices at Delta and Delta let go of a lot of people so there was a very good chance that if had Randolph still been at his previous job with Delta he wouldn't be working right now so those are the kind of things that we can put in the you know put into our minds in the framework of just understanding just how quickly things can change for us and how drastically things can change for us because just by his relationship with his past boss he's a, he was he's able to put himself into you know, hindsight, looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm in a way better position now. Now, he could have got that call, went and, you know, talked to him and said, you know what? No, I'm in a good position. Now. I'm with Delta. I'm getting, you know, free flights. You know, I'm working from home part of the days. You know, that kind of deal, looking at the perks. But and, you know, now fast forward and looking at it, it's like, oh, this decision was the right one and I'm in a better place for right now, um, just based on relationships, and Randolph will tell you it was literally the relationship like when he told me the story I was like so this man who you used to work with you know five six years five years ago remembered you knew you were one of the best at what you did and said wouldn't you used to work for me as a banker I want you to be my vice president like you know if that's not the power of a relationship I don't know a better story to tell you honestly you know what I'm saying so I just wanted to bring it up just to kind of drive home that point of just having the right people around you. Um, If, you know, if they're not necessarily in your power circle, just as you are moving through life, building good relationships and lasting uh, uh, impressions with people and and I'm bringing it up because when you make your last point, I just want you to kind of give some insight to the process that you were letting me in on of just your clients, because you travel like 70, 80% of the time where you're client facing and now you're not, but, you know what are your clients
1: remembering from you? So I'll let you kind of explain it, but go ahead. You know that, that's a, that's actually a perfect segue, man, because the one of the, one of the biggest things that you know, I, I guess I'll take a step back. One of the best things I won't say biggest. One of the best things that happened was the fact that, and you never know why things are happening to you, man. You know I was, in Doc. Doc knows I was on the road a lot last year. I was I was pounding the pavement. It put some stress on my marriage. And, you know I missed some things with my son, um, and I kept telling my wife I'm like I got to be out here for a reason. Going back to what Doc says, whose you are, and who who you are and whose you are is important. And so I'm like, look, I'm out here for a reason, and the things that I'm doing, we were seeing impact. We were seeing sales, but what. I'm seeing now is the increase across all my relationships because offices are closed. They're only taking meetings from people that they trust, people that they know and people that have been there when it was, again, the, a time of peace. Like now that we're in a crisis, it's too late for me to show up and build a relationship with you. You know, So i made it my business to, you know, get on a plane and fly to some undesirable places once or twice a month to sit down and look across the table to men and women and tell them, here's what we're going to provide for you. Here's how we're going to do it. And the X is on my forehead if that does not happen. And here's my personal cell phone number. You don't have to email me. If you get a phone call in the middle of the night, you call me in the middle of the night. Providing that car lunch, that access, but... Not just saying it, really meaning it, and I think that you know one of the desires of my heart has always been to be a connector of people and a connector of resources. So, you know, begrudgingly, my wife tells me that I work. I have a job that I would do for free, and I told her I do nothing for free. And <laughs> yeah. have these bills, free, free, but 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 for close to nothing. I I would do it because it really is who I am. And so I think two parts of it is you have have an opportunity to achieve a competitive advantage genuinely in two areas of life at all times. Number one, that's by being your authentic self when forming a relationship. The second part is the hardest part for most people, believe it or not, and that's doing what you say you're going to do and if you can do that when things like this happen you rise to the top of most folks list because it's some things that they cannot risk they can't roll the dice on the market is already crazy um the economy is already crazy stability is in you know um serious doubt they're searching for stability quality and trust and if you have built the relationship the proper way they're gonna come to you. So as opposed to me having to do with some of, I won't even say my colleagues because I'll be honest that my organization we we have a culture that this is the way we try to do things, right? And so I will, I'll give my company a uh, a shout out for that. We we really do try to get the relationship right. But for some of my constituents who are in a situation where they're forced to go in and sell a specific product regardless of the situation. They're making calls, trying to apologize. I'm making calls saying, and I'm not talking about the office line. I'm calling my clients. I'm calling their wife, checking on them. My wife has their wife's phone numbers. I'm calling them wishing their kids a happy birthday. I'm inviting them to my son's virtual party. I'm attending their kids' virtual party. So in essence, I don't have to sell a product. I sold them exactly who I was. They know the product is me. They're getting me. So if performance is bad, I'm still going to show up. I'll explain it to your clients. And we don't, we don't, we don't sell product up front, man. You know, we, we sell a roadmap. What do you want your life to be like 20 years from now? if we have to take a left turn instead of a right turn, a map, that's just a that's just a quick reroute, reroute. So as opposed to someone seeing that as a huge negative, we can go to them and say, hey, we're gonna reroute you here because things are on sale. We wanna take this drive. We wanna take this scenic route. There's gonna be some bumps in the road, but we wanna take the scenic route so that you can participate and more upside over the longer term. And because we have the proper relationship, they will take that cadence and they will take that advice. So it just really speaks to exactly what Randall is saying, what you said, what Doc is saying, and some of the things I alluded to earlier. Your ability to form meaningful relationships and your ability to act on the information you either provide or extract from those relationships become your competitive advantage. Anything outside of that, someone can Google, YouTube it, or do whatever. It's, the, uh, it's having access, access to the unknown that is most important in environments like this. To A, help you, number one, protect yourself, your family in terms of finances. But I would even go so far as to say um, from, a, uh, from a health perspective, if you know someone that works in the medical profession and they come across new information and they're part of your circle of or sphere of influence, they're not going to allow you to go out there and make mistakes that someone that doesn't know them um, would make. So again, protect your relationships, treat people right, you know, operate under the law of reciprocity. Uh, Let's stop protecting things so much. Like Doc said, if you want to share it and you have some caution, NDAs are online. You can download them for free. Have someone sign a non-disclosure, move on if they do the wrong thing. You learn two things. Number one, they weren't supposed to be a part of your path, your plan or path going forward. And number two, you slap an injunction on them and so on. I mean, as simple as that, and you move forward. But you need to really start opening your mind and sharing. Again, you know, the sight is just what you can see with your eyes, but vision is, you know, what you can see with your mind. And I think that that's a, that's a proper closing place for, for me on this topic as we, uh, as we stand tonight. But appreciate you, brothers, joining. To all our first responders out there, we, we appreciate you. To the essential employees, uh, whether someone has said thank you to you or not, we thank you. We appreciate you. Um, obviously, this is a call to action for Congress and others. Uh there are a lot of people in this country severely underpaid teachers doctors uh first responders and um and uh, I guess what you would call your 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 general workers and but we uh we gotta get our priorities straight, and if they're not gonna prioritize you, you need to prioritize yourself, which means that whatever that passion you have is reach out to us here, at brethren, and let us help you cultivate that. So that you have another stream of income so that if they unfortunately tell you that you'll be at home for the next X weeks or months, you just lean right into your business and you keep moving. So uh, we love you guys. And I hope that uh, we were able to provide some timely information and insight to you tonight. Um, With that, I'll turn it over back to AJ if he has comments. If not, you got it, Doc. Oh, no, go ahead. go ahead, Go ahead, Doc.
2: All right, so my uh, my my dad often says to me after talking to me long and hard about what's going on and giving uh, his take on my situation, he always says, "So, what you gonna do?" Right, right.
1: That's
2: what it comes down to. Right there, there it is. At the end of the day, what what you gonna do? You know, times are tough. Sometimes times are easy. Times are, times are difficult now. You could have got more done before. Okay, whatever. You know, now what are you going to do? What's what's your next step? When are you going to start to, if you have to go back and, and listen to the other Brethren podcast to, to think about building something a little bit more, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more structurally sound than you had before, take in that information and do it. I think a lot of us wait for change to come from the outside. We're waiting for somebody or something to sweep in and revolutionize things for us. They we we want a revolution and we want it all to be different. Now I don't put on my revolutionary hat, but i not put on put on my revolutionary hat for you. There you go. <laughs> Tell you this: the revolution that you're looking for. It's going to come from you. All right. You're going to change the way in which you relate to this financial system that's out here, to the way in which this government responds to you. You're going to recognize the advantages that are out there. You're going to recognize the people that can help you and those that you love. And you are going to start to work to leverage those relationships to make better lives for you and those you love. My eyebrows look funny in my revolutionary hat, but this is what it's about, waking y'all up. So you do what's necessary. So you don't just hear, but you, hey, you gotta be a hearer and doer, all right? You take this information in, but when you wake up tomorrow, I want you to start thinking about what's going to happen next and not going to happen because somebody else does it, but because you wake up and decide that this is gonna be your next thing to do. So that's all I have. Now I'm going to take my revolutionary hat off.
0: Shout out, shout out to Doc with the props. Oh <laughs> hey. Y'all ain't like, hey, know I had that. Hey, Sometimes first, first, I put it on and doing, y'all don't even know. <laughs> first time doing video Doc pop with props. <laughs> hey,
1: he's showing his ass, man. Hey,
0: look, man, uh, I said it before and I'll say it again. I I, I greatly appreciate Uh, all you gentlemen uh, for taking the time out to share this knowledge with myself and everybody that listens to us Um, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of conversations going on right now, you know, 5G conspiracy talk, you know, desperation, talk, fear, talk, greed, talk. Um, So I definitely uh, appreciate the way that we were able to have this uh, calm conversation with, uh, with solid sound, uh, information to give out um, uh, but to wrap up you know just keep reiterating the the importance of relationships uh, and Destrian gave three points that I really appreciate was stability quality and trust um, if you have those in your relationships like Destrian said whatever product you got people are going to uh, take it from you because of that stability the quality and the trust of the relationship and you know what they have in you Um, they know that you have their best interests at heart like doc always says people are more important than things so if you lead with that um, most people are going to uh, you know follow you take your advice things of that nature Uh, and if this crisis hasn't taught us anything else is that you know like doc said we can't rely and wait on some other person or entity to make great change for us on an individual level, you know, you, I'll be damned to be talking about on a, on a national economic level, because, you know, that's been in disarray since the beginning of time. Um, so, you know, you can already put that on the back back burner. You know, you can take that off the stove and, you know, put it back in the freezer because ain't nobody cooking that right now. But if we're talking about individual change, local change, change that you can tangibly see, feel and do for yourself, it has to start with you. And you can't wait for somebody else to come in and spark that up for you. You know, especially if we're, you know, looking at it from the framework of, you know, we being protectionist against our own ideas and things of that nature. So if I don't let you in on what I got going on, there's no possible way that you can come in and spark some change in me where you don't know what's going on. So, you know, if you are waiting for somebody else to come spark this change, maybe they can spark it if they know more about you or more of what your situation is and things of that nature. They, they can suggest things that spark that change. But, you know, it's still going to come down to, like Doc said, you got to do it yourself. Um, so keep that in mind. And You know, the last and final thing is multiple streams of income and revenue is a necessity in this society. It is not an option. It is not a. It's no longer this hobby thing. It's not something you go go to go to Hobby Lobby and be like, hey, let me get that multiple streams of income kit so I can get you know an extra hundred, two hundred, two hundred dollars a month. And you know, I've had this conversation with all of y'all where it was, you know, we're, we're in a situation where the government handed everybody twelve hundred dollars, and we know for a fact that that is not even enough to keep. One creditor off of most people's backs, depending on where you live. Now, granted, you might live down south and you got a $600 a month, uh, you know, rent, apartment or whatnot, and you got another couple of hundred dollars on the phone bill, the light bill and all of that. So guess what? Now you got somebody off your back for one month. We've been in this quarantine up here in New York officially since March 15th, I want to say, so it's over a month. And, you know, a a lot of places kicked in measures before that. So a lot of people have been in quarantine for, you know, almost two months now. So, you know, you got that $1,200 and they kept somebody off your back like for half of the time that we've been on lockdown. So what you're going to do, like Doc, say for the next couple of months, multiple streams is a necessity. So if you ain't doing nothing else in this time, you know, really get your head into the books and, you know, figure out what's this, you know, like Deshrane said, what's this reroute that you're going to take? And don't wait on nobody else to tell it to you, especially if you've been protecting your ideas and things like that and being, you know. Um, cautionary of who you let into your business. And if you're being that cautious, that might mean that you need to reevaluate your power circle. That might mean you need to reevaluate your board of directors that you have in your personal life and in your business life. Because if you can't trust those people, there's one thing I know for a fact, I tell these three gentlemen on this call with me damn near everything that happens to me personally, professionally, all the way around. I know for a fact that if I go out here and I blow a thousand dollars, I'm going to call one of these three gentlemen and be like, help me, please, because I know finance is your thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Randolph, Randolph, you know, when the horses come back to bed, man, hey I, hey, I tell Randolph, like, Randolph, <laughs> the horses ain't hit, man, what I need to do. But, Jay, hey, just being real, man, it's like, look. If you really be in that cautionary, like Destrian said, if, if your relationship with your financial people and stuff is not built on stability, quality and trust, then you can't expect them to be able to, you know, to to make suggestions for you and then you might need to reevaluate that relationship in itself. It's like, because they presented you a product first and they didn't present themselves. So that might not be the relationship for you. This is a great time and I'm gonna keep saying, it. this is a great time. I said it before and I said it again, when we sit still, we are able to enhance our other senses to be able to just see things like the old folks that I told Randall, like my granddad used to sit on the porch all day long and he saw and knew everything that went on versus everybody else that's coming and going. They don't know what's going on. Cause you are constantly in motion, just like your emotions, you know? So if you just, you know, right now in this time period where a lot of us are being, you know, forced to sit down, you know, I, and a lot of people don't like that word force, but I'm fine with it. If it's for my own good. And I know that cool. Stay in the house. So in this time period where you're being still use it to align and assess the non tangible things in your life, like your relationships, you know, it, 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 I guarantee you is going to come out better for you in the long run. Um, So, yeah, that's it, man. Like I said, and I'll I'll say it again, too. I want to thank all of the frontline workers, the trash man, the postal workers, the doctors, the nurses, the people that clean the hospital, man. Like everybody bigging up the medical professionals and, you know, they definitely deserve it. But then we got to remember, you got people that's emptying the trash cans and disinfecting everything in them hospitals all day long. And they doing it probably on a schedule way, way more strenuous than before, you know, cleaning companies we got a cleaning company coming into our stores now because our some of our stores are still open we're doing one-to-one customer ratio and things of that nature but we got a cleaning company coming in uh you know twice as many times as they used to now so thank you to these people that are still getting up you know going to their jobs and we know it's not by choice honestly you know so you know if we're, if we're being honest these people are going to work because they have to and the conversation is coming up where you know, it's the black and brown folks who are being negatively impacted by this because of the positions that they've been put in where they cannot not work. You know, that's the, and like you said, that's the, you know, operating out of desperation. We got some folks that's operating out of desperation because they still have to go to work because otherwise, you know, rent still do, light still do, food that still needs to be had, and all those things. And we got people operating out of desperation because they don't have a job to even try to figure out if they should still go to it to make the money to pay these bills. And unemployment ain't coming through because the system being shut down because so many people are unemployed right now. So, you know, this is one of those times to sit still, count your blessings, take inventory, assess the situations and the relationships that you have, and, you know, make some changes. Like Doc say, it's going to come from you, so make these changes within yourself but I appreciate every single one of you brothers for hopping on and I just spreading some wealth and some knowledge as always. Um, so, um, cheers to you all. I got a little bit left. Cheers. <laughs> Sir. Um, but that's it, man. Uh, right, we can, we can end this episode here. I'm about to cut this thing off so we can really talk, uh, after show ish but it's not going to be recorded cuz we haven't talked in a while so uh we thank you all for listening to another episode of brethren you can catch us on all of your podcast platforms anchor uh spotify google play itunes castbox boxcast all of that you can find uh dwellsconsulting.com you can catch dr loving at com. you can find everything about me at com. Mr. Randolph cannot be found because he's that kind of guy. So if you want to be linked up with him, you got to go through one of us. You know what I'm saying? You got That's to reach right. out, build some relationships, <laughs> and then you can possibly, you know what I'm saying, get in on some of these power struggles that we got. Because let me tell you something, man, they powerful. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening to another rousing rendition of Brethren Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this video format. We look good, don't we? We love you, and we appreciate you. Bridgen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another exciting episode and edition of the Brethren Podcast. That's Brethren like bread, B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N, because we always talking about our bread and we always getting that bread. And when I say we, it feels great. And it is always my pleasure to welcome my brothers onto this call with me, Doctor Love and PhD of Love and Consulting LLC Industry and Destrian Wells,
4: and Wells Consulting. How are y'all doing this evening, gentlemen? Doing absolutely great. Yeah, man, things are great. Positively wonderful.
0: Um, so first let's address, you know, the elephant in the room, which ain't really an elephant. We took a little break because that's what we got to do, and plus, like I, you know, have told you all in the episodes uh, previous to this one, uh, my illustrious co-hosts are always doing great things across this country. So they, uh, they were parlaying and participating in professional development. Uh, across the united states <laughs> i wasn't able to attend but they felt the need to uh video call me while they sat on a balcony uh with you know enjoying a tropical breeze you know i won't go into details of where they were and all of that so yeah i mean i've got chish you know i mean the glasses didn't have water in it so you may not recall but um, you know i, I you know what i'm saying that's not the reason we didn't record it wasn't because i felt salty and didn't want to talk to them <laughs> it was just that we you know, we decided to take a break off of course Easter past, and we got families with our fathers and husbands. So we you know, we took time off to enjoy happy belated birthday to the Prince, uh, young Dallas uh DJ son. Well, thank
4: you. Uh,
0: so yeah. But um so let's get back to what we normally do
5: and how we do it. Uh Doctor Levin introduced the yes, drink sir. that you were sipping on this evening. Oh, this this evening I am sipping on a little bit of Tito's vodka and Sprite. Keep it in mind. Mm. Okay, yeah, Okay. Like home team. DJ, was good? I
4: mean, we know what's good, but what's good? No, 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 yeah, no. I mean, matter, matter of fact,
0: matter of fact, matter of yeah. fact, because the because uh, because Dallas' birthday just passed, so you might be doing something
5: different. Let's see if we're going to get a surprise. Why, why would you even hype the crowd up to, to be disappointed <laughs> in such a way? No, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. What go ahead. i plead the fifth. I'll yeah. play <laughs> <like> the fifth. <laughs> minute, <laughs> nah, man,
4: you know what it is, man. Hennessy, man. Hennessy, All right, so, is, so it's Hennessy black, splash coat. Yeah.
5: Okay,
0: okay. So it's not just plain Hennessy; it's Hennessy black. I mean, that is
5: different. That's yeah, different. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's different. So we, it's look like plain. it's different, like that patent leather black Jordan. I mean, they still Jordans. They yeah. wouldn't call them graduation shoes or nothing like that, but you know, whatever. They they talking about their formal Jordan.
4: Save it for the after yeah, show, man. Yeah, Just save it for the after show. We're going to get into that much more oh, okay. the after show. But um, yes, uh, I, am,
0: I am sipping on the Johnny Walker Black Label. Uh, That bottle will be here until it's gone, and then I'll update y'all. So, as we always do, gentlemen, cheers to a wonderful conversation, knowledge being
4: dropped, and things being learned. Cheers. Yes. Salute, man.
5: All right,
0: so to kick off this uh, this episode, tonight's topic, we're going to talk about overcoming challenges and dealing with pressure. And the questions that we're going to pose, and this is from, you know, this is in the words of Dr. Levin, PhD, I might add, um, recognizing the difference between challenges and outside pressure, organizing your life so you can address real challenges and alleviate pressure, and surrounding yourself with people who don't add to pressure. But help you recognize and meet challenges number three is gonna be the it's gonna be the kicker because I think it's gonna really wake a lot of people up me included you know ourselves included because like we always say, a lot of this is just us talking to ourselves, you know what I'm saying, and y'all just catching the conversation because we doing. The due diligence of recording this well let's kick it off dr levin i'm gonna throw it to you you know because you eloquently you know broke down the outline if you will of this topic tonight so let's just jump right into it and i'm gonna throw it to you on overcoming challenges and 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 dealing with pressure and you as for your first point you were saying recognizing the difference between challenges and outside pressure because some people might look at Challenge and pressure as interchangeable, which you know, in all intents and purposes, it can be. But for this, for this uh, topic of conversation, just you know, give some clarification, if you will.
5: Yeah, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let this quote from Dane Lillard, who uh, hit that uh, trail blood pulling trailblazer, hit that game winning last second shot, and everybody was falling all over themselves. And then there's me on on social media with him just looking at the camera, all steady, like, yeah, you knew this could happen. That type of deal. And so um, they asked him about, you know, how you could deal with what they call pressure of having to, you know, take that last second shot. And he said, pressure? Nah, fam. This is just playing ball. Pressure is the homeless man who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. Pressure is the single mom who's trying to scuffle. We get paid a lot of money to play a game. Don't get me wrong. Here are our challenges. But to call it pressure is almost an insult to regular people. And I thought, man, that was a pretty interesting quote, I think, on a number of levels. Number one, it showed sort of his hierarchical understanding of how comfortable he was, and he is appreciating, you know, the, the, uh, the privilege that he had relative to a, a lot of what, you know, he says just regular people in terms of what we experience. And so he, he described his. You know, the focus necessary to hit the shot that he had to hit as a challenge that he has within his otherwise pretty decent and pretty calm, uh, life. But he talked about the pressures in these outside things that, uh, you're going to experience and that normal regular folks, our listeners, right, included, have to experience when we're trying to do the things that we want to do. So it's the outside pressure that Affects, I think, in some ways how how well some of us approach the challenges, or in some cases even recognize the challenges around us. Okay, so you have things that you want to accomplish in life, goals that you put out there. We've done a whole episode on on goal setting, and so you can go back and, and check out that archive if you really you know want to want to step up that part of, of your life. And so those goals that you break down into individual milestones are going to represent small challenges to you if you approach them in the right way, right? But even as you move along, there are going to be things that will happen. There will be outside pressures. People may get sick. Someone might lose a job. A relationship might end. Um, You could have tough times, uh, having tough times at your job in terms of interpersonal relationship. All of these things can create a pressure filled environment and give you the opportunity to have a moment that might not be so, let, let's say, productive where you cut somebody out or blow up or something like that. So I think when I look at the difference between, you know, um the, the challenges that you have, challenges tend to come at you in a more organized way and things that you, that you know are going to happen. He knew that there was a decent chance at the end of the, um, basketball game, you're going to have to take a shot. It drops all through the basketball, right? But what you don't know is, you know, someone who you care about is, is sick or, you know, the huge medical bills come on because of something like that or a business gets lost or a storm. All these things that come in people's lives, man, can add pressure. And if you aren't careful, pressure can cripple you to the point that you just don't want to do anything. And so uh, you have to learn uh, ways to deal with and cope with that pressure and stress that you feel in your life in I think we as black men that's one of those things that we need to i think talk more about right because I think you know the challenges side of it people are more inclined to be open with the challenges that they that they face in terms of uh, proving that they are worthy to make the next step on their career or in their uh, in the business that they own, but I think the pressures on the outside, people are a little bit more reluctant to talk about the things that really sort of make life difficult for them in certain ways, you know, whether they have difficulty talking um, to or maintaining real intimate relationships with friends and all of these other things that come crashing down on you, especially in this social media-rich world, and just make life, in a lot of ways, uncomfortable. So... That, that's sort of where I was going with this in terms of just, man, let's, let's think about positive ways to, um, to lead, a, lead a positive life, despite the uh, the uh, pressures that are going to uh, surround us, but, you know, and lead it in a, in a way where we are goal-oriented and we face and recognize the challenges in front of us and we deal with them in ways that are going to be constructive and helpful to us.
4: Uh, most most definitely and I like I like the way you put that and we definitely can
0: delve deeper into it. I'm gonna throw it to DJ um uh, because he got something he wanted to say, you know, as far as elaborating on it. And then I got something that I want to follow up with just to kind of clarify for my own purposes and maybe somebody else who's listening, but go ahead, DJ, I'll throw it to you.
4: Yeah, thanks for that. Um just to piggyback on what Dr. Levin was, was saying. Oftentimes and, and just follow me on this, The problem that we see or we we focus on is not the problem. The real problem is what is our attitude towards the problem, right? So when we talk about pressure and we talk about challenges, it's important that we frame the issue and we focus our energy on our response. Oftentimes we get boggled down in, oh, you know, this is going to be so difficult. This is going to be so hard. It's going to be so cumbersome. If you take the time to focus your energy on what your response will be, like he talked about Dame Litter. he said that, you know, I know I'm going to have to take the shot. I mean, that's the pressure. That's the challenge. My response is crafted in the hours that, you know, he puts in into the gym, into the repetition that he puts into being prepared to make that shot. So what I'm saying is we need to learn to control what we can. You know, there are going to be things outside of our control, as Dr. Levin alluded to, that we have no bearing over. What we can control is our activity and our response. You know, challenges are ultimately meant to be overcome. And for all intents and purposes, pressure is meant to help break break off that those rough stones or those rough things in your life and, and help turn you into a diamond. If you think about, you know, if you go to the jewelry store, the finest diamonds have often undergone the most pressure and the most chaos, and they've been dug from the deepest depths of the earth. And I think that this is something that we can apply to our lives to understand that you could be being fitted to be a diamond because you're going through a challenge or a situation that you may deem as pressure. And I think also understanding the difference between the two and the opportunity that exists within that is is something that's key and critical as we matriculate through this conversation just so that the listeners are not uh bogged down in 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 the uh the, the vernacular of the challenge or pressure this is not a one versus the other situation it is understanding how to appropriately deal with pressure and overcome the challenges that might be associated with said pressures so, you know, like you said earlier, AJ, they could be one and the same, but oftentimes they it's one that's feeding into another, uh, whether that be the pressure into the challenge or the challenge into the pressure. So, you know, I think that's important for us to unpack and address as we move forward.
0: Correct, correct, correct. And you, you pretty much kind of answered my question, but I'll still kind of pose it in a sense because like we said, you know, I like the way you put that pressures, pressures arise, the the pressures of life, the pressures of, you know, jobs, the pressures of relationships, the pressures of society bring about challenges that you have to overcome, um, which is, which is a, you know, a pertinent point to put in there. Right. And like we said, we could have a versus conversation. We could have challenges versus this, which we we've done, you know, with some topics in the past, but this one is it's very a very nuanced conversation because it's easy to slip off into the versus conversation. But the way that we've posed and the way that you know it's being framed now is we're going to talk about the pressures of said you know environments and the challenges that come about and how we overcome that and deal with the pressure itself. And right now, like I've I've honestly forgotten my actual question because that like that thought in itself has gotten me to thinking you know really hard. You know, just based on the fact that pressures, pressures are something that we can't necessarily control. And that, I guess I'll put it in that way is to to lay it out in lamest terms for people who are, who are still just caught up in thought like me. Pressures are things that we can't necessarily control. It comes about, like we said, pressures of society, pressures of, uh, you know, family, pressure from friends, peer pressure, you know, and peer pressure can be peers, you know, at work, uh, peers at home, your friends where the pressure of things they want you to do expectations and things of that nature come about and the challenges that come about to overcome those, you know, you overcome those challenges to, to kind of deal with the pressure in a sense. Um, But I want to throw it back to uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
4: Well, i I tell you what, I mean, where you're going with that. One of the things that I think is important is that we understand that, it's almost like you're starting this conversation around understanding the structure of things. So you have a fighting chance to defeat what it is that you understand. And again, oftentimes we need to be able to define things. So when you say the, uh, the challenges that arise from say pressures, that's important because, you know, I would push back on you just a little bit when you say, you know, we can't necessarily control those pressures. Because we face several types of pressures. They can be internal or they can be external. Some of those external factors, we can't do anything about. But some of them you also can. And I think Dr. Loving alluded to it in the uh, in the outline, which I know we'll go deeper. But it's the choices that you make about the people that are in your life and so on and so forth. But if I just back up from there, when you just think about the internal pressures, there's a, uh, there's a book by uh, – Don Miguel Ruiz called the four agreements. Anybody that knows me knows that I tout the four agreements. You know, I gave it to my wife. I'm like, Hey, put this in your purse. If we ever have an issue, it's probably one of these things that's not occurring that either I'm not doing or you're not doing. One of the four agreements is to not take things personally and to always do your best, right? So that's something that's extremely difficult to do. But a lot of that is internal. And the author argues that by just focusing on that agreement alone, you can completely transform your life because you stop wasting time and energy on tearing yourself down, adding pressure and challenges to your life that otherwise wouldn't exist if you didn't A, take things personally and B, apply that pressure or create the challenges that you now have to also overcome in your life. So. I just wanted to push back on that just, just a bit, and more than happy to dive deeper and talk about it, but happy to hear what you and Dr. Lovey have to say
5: from that perspective. Well, Doc, I'm going to throw, yeah. throw it to you. Go ahead. No, so the, the way that I see it is that um, the, the the challenges, at least as I was describing them, and, and from the, the quote from uh, Dave Lillard, were more, hey, these are things to be expected of you, that these things that you need to knock down in order for you to be successful in, in the professional realm, right? And and let's be real. If you do what you're supposed to do with respect to your challenges, then, yeah, they remain challenges. And if you're organized in your approach, you can operate the way you're supposed to operate when your chance to take the shot comes up, right? But, uh, well, and so that, I think, That's an important thing to recognize if you've done the the right work. If not, and you haven't done that uh, right work, then those challenges now can create a pressure-filled environment. You know, I know people who are natural procrastinators, myself being one of them, right? And I used to get myself into trouble at the time while I was in school by waiting until the last minute to write a paper, right? Now, the writing of the paper... And organizing of it, doing all, doing all that work, it was a challenge. That's the way the school set up. It's supposed to be a challenging process, right? If you do what you're supposed to do in a timely fashion, then it doesn't create any more pressure than is necessary. Um, you know, to rise to the challenge appropriately. If you wait till the last minute, now you run around like a chicken with his head cut off. Everything that that's the minor delay is a major emergency. You created a pressure filled environment. I'm certain while I was in college that took years off of my life. Right? So one of the major tools that you can use to meet your challenges and try to uh, make sure that you minimize as pressure as much pressure as you possibly can in your goal oriented life is to try to automate that. Right? So use your calendar and your uh within your phone. It's not just for fun. You you also have some constructive things that you can do with apps in there, right, to remind yourself to study, remind yourself to hit certain um, goalposts with your paper, let's just say you're doing that, Uh, if you remind you to take a certain number of jump shots at a certain point of time in the day. What happens is you start um, moving in a direction where you're moving towards meeting those challenges that are in your life, and then those challenges themselves don't necessarily um, constitute Pressure for you because you've you've handled them in the right way. Now the pressure can still come at you, right? Because we live life, and and as I'll say every time we talk, people are more important than things, right? And so all of those goals that you put together and the things that you're going to do to reach them can be, you know easily be superseded if someone in your life who you love tremendously has to go through something that's gonna you know gonna take up your time. But take up your resources in times of money, and you love that individual, and you're gonna do what's necessary. And I can create outside pressure. A lot of times, people who are working professionally have to take care of a sick loved one. That's one of those things that, no matter how great you are at your job, um, you know, it's going to have going to put outside pressure. It's gonna put pressure on you in your situation. So you can only organize your way so much through uh, something like that, and and so. When I talk about pressure, it's yeah, part of it is doing what you can do, but the other part of it is recognizing that even when you do what you can do, there's a lot that can happen outside of your control, right? And don't be afraid to seek professional help. And that's professional help on the uh, on the side of you know working with somebody who's an executive coach or working with a mentor. Um, to, to try to take you out of that, that pressure field space all the way to physically taking maybe some yoga classes or martial arts to learn how to relax or if it's necessary, seeing a therapist, right? There are a lot of people in certain communities that have a major knock against the idea of therapy. But I think that, you know, your your mental health is just as important as your physical health and your financial health, right? You only get one we only get one you, okay? And so you got to take care of yourself. And so if you have some 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 feelings where you feel like you can't get out out of bed before a certain time, yeah, obviously that's going to impact the way that you're able to address your challenges and maybe create a pressure filled environments for you. Um, but that pressure that's coming from that depression or whatever that is, man, you got to you got to address that stuff. And those things can fester. And they ruin the one thing that you can't get back. They ruin your time on earth, right? You know, you can't get this back. Those minutes that you, that you waste, uh, or that you use wallowing and feeling sad because you just don't know why, um, you, that's not, that's not something that you have to go through. And so having the right type of people on your team, and if that, uh, team member includes a therapist, man, Congratulations for doing the work you need to do to get to where you need to go. That's all I got to say about that. Most definitely. Um,
0: I may be going slightly off in a tangent, but I did want to post to you all uh, because it kind of came up in my mind. I don't know if it was intentionally brought up, you know, in you all's explanations and breakdown, but perceived pressure. Uh, because a lot of people, you know, we – not in not in a not in a, a negative way we perceive that there's pressure and like you said it's, it's situations where we could have easily avoided the pressure filled environment procrastination and things of that nature too, and now we've gotten ourselves into a situation where there is actual pressure that we could have avoided and now we have a challenge to overcome um but I want to throw it to DJ and then I'll throw it back to you Dr. Love on just some of the some of some some ways of just maybe avoiding putting yourself in position to be overcome by pressure to where you have to now, you know, face and, you know, deal with these challenge with certain challenges brought on by this pressure that you, you know, for all intents and purposes brought on yourself.
5: <laughs>
4: well, <clears throat> so I, I think about it, um, I think about it this way. So you have crisis, or I should say it this way, you have responsibilities and then you have crisis. I think if we refer back to, again, the Damon Litter quote, what Dame is talking about up front is it's his responsibility to take that shot for his team. It's his responsibility to lead them. It's his responsibility to accept the challenge. And you see, that's a mindset and that's a mentality that he's decided to have. If his mindset were that, oh, my God, I I may have to take this shot, Oh my God, uh, they're looking to me for leadership. You would be in a crisis. And I think that that is the differentiating factor is the mindset. Do you see the situation as a crisis or do you see it as your responsibility? Um, I am often reminded you're at my, uh, you at my wedding. Um, when I got married, he told me, uh, the bishop told me it was my cousin. He said, even if it's not your fault, it's still your problem. And so just because something is not your fault, it doesn't mean it's not your problem. But again, it's your mindset. How do you respond to it? What is your attitude towards the problem? You know, um, you need to determine a few things to answer your question directly. How do you relieve some of this? Determine who and what you are accountable to and for. All right. That's the first thing. The second thing you need to ask yourself is, do you have a clear understanding about the dynamics of the relationship that you're engaged with with whoever you're responsible to or the things that you're responsible for? Because that's going to define how you perceive or receive and meet said challenge or pressure. Um, One of the things that, that I've become keenly aware of is that I tend to become a default for people who do exactly what doctor Loving talked about in terms of my corporate uh, setting. If someone fails to prepare, procrastinate, because I'm in a you know mid level, you know, executive type role, you know, senior managers or, or others in leadership positions, when their plate becomes full they, they then come to you. But what I try to communicate up front And I try to do it in a very respectful way. We talked about communicating in relationships earlier on uh, previous calls. I want them to know that I'm there to help, assist, and, and try to deliver. But I'm clear that a failure to plan on your behalf does not create an emergency on mine. Because I'm being evaluated on a set of circumstances and criteria that I'm accountable for. I know who I'm accountable to. Now, if that aligns with what you're asking me to do, great. I'll drop everything and do it now. But if I'm going to take the L for you to get the W, that's hard. Because, again, a failure to plan on your behalf should not create an emergency on mine. But that's something you have to communicate up front. That alleviates some of the pressure and the challenges of time restraints, limited resources, all those things that you might face which then turn into something that Dr. Loving alluded to, which is anxiety, depression, um, and the list could go on and on. But those things have a severe impact on your mental health and your well-being. And your best ability is always going to be your availability. I don't care how talented you are, if you can't show up to produce and perform, you're now expendable, so you have to take care of yourself. As Dr. Loving alluded to, um, there are resources that are available, and I think as a community, specifically African American community, we don't tap into those resources enough. You know, if you work, you likely have insurance, and counseling is a part of that. You can see someone, talk to someone about the stresses, the pressures, the challenges that you're facing, and get a professional opinion to try to develop some strategies, and like Dr. Loving said, maybe get some automation going to take some of the decision-making out of the equation. A lot of folks just need structure, but everyone doesn't know how to implement that. So having a professional on your side doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you stronger. And I would say that um, in terms of identifying how you can relieve some of these stresses, these challenges, and these pressures, it starts with a self-evaluation and truly taking a introspective look, being honest with yourself and saying, here are the things that I am currently struggling with that I cannot get beyond myself and I'm going to need some professional advice because sometimes people don't like to hear the word help. So we'll say advice. Maybe I need some professional advice on this, you know. What's what's the harm in doing it? I think there's a a severely negative stigma attached to it, but really it's empowerment. The more education you have, the more resources you have, the better equipped you are to handle uh, whatever issues or challenges that might arise. And then you also take those things and you share them with the people around you. And all of a sudden you're more productive and so are the people around you as well.
0: Well put, and I always uh, like to frame it in the reference of who better to vent to than a non-partisan uh, party, you know what I'm saying, because you can go vent to your friends and they're going to be biased. You can go vent to your family and they're going to be biased. They're going to infuse their opinions and their feelings and emotions into you know something that you're seriously dealing with, so why not talk to somebody? who is completely, you know, unbiased in their approach, you know, medical, scientific when it comes to it, in most cases where they, you know, can honestly give you real feedback on, you know, your feelings and how and why you're feeling a certain way and how and why you're dealing with things in a certain way and connecting dots that you can never connect for yourself and then nobody Mm -hmm. else in your life could actually connect for you. So, you know, when you frame things different, I like the way you put that. When you really look at things from a different way, instead of saying help, advice. It's just, it's just one of those things where it is needed. Um, right. And that, that, that segued into the second point that Dr. Levin wanted to bring up in this conversation was organizing your life so that you can address real challenges and alleviate pressure. And for me personally, and this was something that we issued out in the challenge, which is still going by the way, is taking a solid tangible goal, uh, putting it a month out and then creating tangible, you know, midway goals to kind of make sure that you're on track for that but just basically it was a, it was done in an effort to get ourselves and you know our listeners to organize and just seeing the difference between you know taking taking a goal organizing it and breaking it down to attainable things and seeing how much easier it is than just saying oh i want to do this and kind of just letting it float and as you get around to it you kind of do it here, and and for me personally, it's been the difference of having an arts and crafts project versus having a project, and when I say a project, this is something that's due by a certain time, and it's a grade, and it's, it's worth a lot of my grade in this thing called life. Versus, you know, taking something and just making it a goal where it's like, oh, you know, it's a hobby. I'll get to it when I get to it. I got some spare time today. I'll do 10% of it now. Oh, I got some I got some extra time next next week. I'll put in another 10% uh, effort into it. And now based on this, it'll take me 10 months to attain this goal. Whereas if I organize it, I can get it done in a month. Because that's the goal limit that we set for ourselves this go-around, which was one month. And I'm proud to say that I'm well on my way to attaining my goal. I may not meet reach my actual goal, but I know that, you know, by having it in this tangible format that we've put it into with the challenge, I've done way better than I would have if I were treated it in the sense of maybe like it's just like a, like a, like I said, maybe like a, like a hobby. It's not a hobby now. It's, it's something that I have to do. But, Dr. Love, I'll throw it to you to go ahead and, you know, elaborate more on the point of organizing
5: your life so that you can address the challenges and alleviate pressure in certain areas. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, when you're not used to doing certain things, everything feels like pressure. Like, if, you, if you're a brother who's been, you know, living at mama's house in the basement chilling, you know, and then at a certain point, You have to go and go from paying for, paying no bills, having no car, no, not paying for anything to now you have to pay for, you know, your, pay for your own house or apartment and and lights and all. That can feel like pressure. And, um, and it can feel like a lot of pressure if you've never had to do it and you're having to do it all at once. That's why, you know, if while you're parenting, you're supposed to give your kids, you know, certain chores or certain responsibilities. Because the same way that, you know, a baby bird is preparing to fly, your kids are preparing to live their lives as adults, And so you have to introduce, you know, some challenges and and, and in some ways create pressure at certain lives, um, at at points in their lives as parents to make sure that they know that they're responsible for keeping a clean house by doing laundry and um, cleaning their room or Um, Have a responsibility for something, right? Have a job, do something. And so my point is, just like the smallest amount of weight feels extraordinarily heavy to a person who's never lifted weights before in the gym, you go in there with somebody that lifts all the time, it's nothing to them, right? Or even someone who lifts or or works out a reasonable amount of time, you know, they feel fine. But you take that person that's never gone to the gym, never pushed themselves, Who's never, um, you know, had to, to do these things that we look at as relatively mundane. And they are having a tough time, um, uh, making it through the workout. And, you know, they're sore for the next few days. And so I understand that, you know, pressure is kind of relative. That's, that's why I'm, I'm getting that. And it's something that you, you, uh, you grow to handle and cope with and, and, and deal with, uh, better and better if you're doing some of the right things. And some of those things can be, you know, like, therapeutic in terms of whether it's massages or yoga or actual um therapy where you're talking to a professional or, you know, whatever it is that you do to depressurize. But man, as I look around at this country, it, man, we have got, got a lot of people having a tough time dealing with, with pressure. With just the pressure of life, man. And and people are doing rash things and and, and hurting other people killing themselves, or, you know, because they don't have the stuff that they want or the life that they see on social media or whatever it is that they are think old, or how they somehow are worthy of drawing breath for other people who are different than they are are not. Like, a lot of this is just we have got to learn how to, I don't know, as humans, just, uh, what, be human, right? To To give ourselves the slack that we need and and the space that we need to do the constructive things. I don't care if it's just sitting down outside and putting your toes in the dirt. They have this whole thing on grounding and how um, it it can get some of the negative energy out of your body by you being barefoot on the earth and, and just touching the ground. Like Whatever it is that you need to do to connect, realize that you are important and that you're worth it, and that you might need to schedule time for you to do it so that you can, you can continue to really, you know, keep up that, self, that self-maintenance, that self right? You People treat their bodies like an old jalopy sometimes. Just put enough gas in it in terms of food and coffee to keep it going and never take it to get the diagnostics that it needs to get the oil changed and it starts to burn uh, worse worse, less efficient to the point that your body your mind goals, everything that you're trying to accomplish is, uh, you know, the engine block cracks because you didn't take it to get an oil change. And now the whole thing, you know, your whole life feels like a disaster. And everything feels like a crazy amount of pressure because you do the things necessary to maintain and it handle it your, your body and your mind and your life in the type of way that it shows that you care about it. So uh that's what I have to say on that. Most definitely. I'm going to go ahead and throw it to DJ. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, so I think that, man, Dr. Levin touched on uh, several great points, but I'll just highlight a few things that I wanted to uh, have some commentary on. I completely agree that pressure is absolutely relative. I think that um, what we have to realize is that because pressure exists, challenges exist, we need to have a, a certain skill set, and one of those skills that we need to have is coping, but it needs to be a healthy coping mechanism. So the question that I would pose to the listeners is do you have a healthy coping mechanism, whether that be, you know, gym time, you know, a, a, a jog in, do you read? Like Doc said, do you do you take walks, connect with the earth, throw, put your feet in the dirt, what have you? Do you do yoga? Whatever it is for you that gives you some type of release to let some of those stressors out, you have to find something because he couldn't have articulated it better that self care is critical. You know, uh, for me personally, you know, I work for a great organization corporately and, uh, you know, they give us a lot of time to, uh, to potentially take. Look, man, I don't do it often, but here and there. I have to take a mental health day because I, I deal with, you know, various things, you know, your personal life, you, and it's not necessarily bad, but responsibility, which I'll go into shortly, but, um, you know, you may need to just take a mental health day, a day for yourself, go do something for you, whether that's to hit a couple of golf balls, whether that's to go get your hands and your nails done, ladies, uh, exfoliate, get your facial, whatever it is you do, or if it's to sit on your deck, and watch the sunrise and have a cocktail, whatever it is, do something for yourself. Because we spend so much time doing things for other people that when you don't take time for that self-care, the pressure can truly mount. Because I think that's where a lot of people feel like the walls begin to cave in a bit where they feel like they're working to be free and have choice. But they ultimately see it as an illusion of choice because they don't see the freedom that the job is providing or the income is providing, and then they feel restricted. And those pressures can quickly build. And you talk about challenges that you're facing or whatever that that can that can grow on you quickly. But just I'll just touch on this quickly and then I'll I'll, I'll stop. I'll pause. I feel like responsibility is a learned behavior though. You know, you don't just wake up and you go, okay, now you're 25, you're responsible. It's a learned behavior. It's a series of actions, right? And I think we need to look at things when people are, you know, early childhood, like um, when you get entry-level employees. And ultimately, as people are climbing whatever ladder they're climbing, you need to add some additional responsibility. And that's personal, too, within your relationships as well. If you don't allow a person to take on more responsibility over time, what happens in pressure-packed situations is they fold. You know, they don't see this as responsibility. It immediately looks like some foreign thing. And I think that for most folks, that's what pressure is. It's some foreign thing. Or it is this thing that continuously shows up that I have no solution for, i.e., that single mother that Dame Lillard talked about saying, hey, she has to pay the rent. That could be a month-by-month thing for that person. And I think in context, we have to be able to do what Dame did and take a step back and look at the issues that we have in our lives, not to minimize anyone's issues, but to be able to broadly look at our society And see how fortunate many of us may be, even in the face of some of the challenges that we have. We may not have the pressure that's placed at our footsteps that are at our feet that others might have in terms of an eviction notice with nowhere to go. You know, you may say, well, it's going to be a challenge to pay this $600 light bill this month, but you didn't say you couldn't pay it you said it was going to be a challenge that person is trying to figure out if they're they're going to have somewhere to stay for them and their children you know he talked about the homeless person with nothing to eat you know i might get the check at a restaurant and go really this much but i'm not saying i can't pay it that homeless person doesn't have anything to eat so you really need to take a step back and sometimes see that first class problems have become our issues. And if you are in a situation where your life has gotten so bad that you have first class problems, you kind of need to pause and reset. Have a grateful moment and then strategize on how you relieve some of those things. But there are people every day that are waking up in the conditions that dame is talking about and they have no way out they have no resources that they can tap into or that maybe they don't know about but most of our listeners do they have us they have a network of people if they've surrounded themselves with the right people they've been listening and developing their strategic partnerships in their power circle and they they're willing to exercise some emotional intelligence and they're, you know, being intentional about things, they have some options. And I just think that we have to really, really look again introspectively and understand that some of the things that we place great emphasis on for many others would be considered a luxury. And that's not to be overstated. You know, and it's not to it's not meant to undermine any issues that anyone is going through, because I do know one thing is that your imagination is undefeated. So whatever your mind can conceive or um, really hone in on, it is very real. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. You're not exempt from pressure, challenges, anxiety, any of these things. But it comes down to really having a plan, having the proper people support system, and understanding the resources that are available to you. Most definitely, most definitely. And I think what um, what you kind of alluded to, and I want
0: to bring up that point, is the 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 weight that perception and perspective play on pressure, um, because not everybody has the mental capacity or the mental ability to be able to be in a situation. pressure is there and then it was something that you know i kind of was raised with whereas you know you may be in a situation where you you got dinner on the table and it's not what you want so you complain about it but then do you have the the ability perception wise to understand there is someone who does not have and basically check yourself like like the like the saying goes check yourself before you wreck yourself um because you know honestly, in those kind of situations where you aren't able to understand the perception and the perspective of which you're you're in a situation you 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 let it get to you and then that pressure that pressure builds, and we all know pressure busts pipes, and you are that pipe, and you know it could have been the simple thing where somebody could have stepped in and told you something that you didn't hear or you could have stepped in and told yourself something that you needed to hear. But because of you know the perception the, the the perspective of which you were looking at things, you weren't able to do that. And that's not to put all of the all of the weight of the situation on you know on the individual alone, because we all know that society and you know economics and things. There are a lot of different factors and variables that go into place when we're talking about pressure in in the general sense. You know we can you can you can you know branch off and find out that you know a single situation has been attributed to a person from multiple aspects and it all, you know, build, you know, it all, you know, prescribes and subscribes to the, you know, the the pressure that is that, that the person is going through. Um, but we, we were talking about ways of organizing and things of that nature, and I'll just speak personally for myself, uh, DJ, like you mentioned, you know, go out and do something that, that's for you. But I want to pose a situation and a scenario to both of you all and where people... We, we We live in a capitalistic society, we know this, and this may go deep and it may go left, but I'm willing to take this chance because it's it's real um everybody gets a job everybody who has a job knows from day one how much time and when I say time, you know what I'm talking about vacation time and sick time you are allotted how much you are accrued some people get it straight up and down, some people accrue it based on you know hours some people accrue it based on how many, you know, how many years they've been with a company or whatever. But we all know you have so many days and so much time that you can use sick time. We'll throw that out the window because a lot of jobs require you to have proof of sickness. So I've, I've had jobs before where if I took a sick day, I needed a doctor's excuse to use it. But let's just talk about the vacation days for a minute. Right now. I'm, I have 90, 90 hours of vacation leave, paid vacation leave. Um, but let's talk about the the, the stigma and the the perception behind, specifically Americans. I don't because other other countries I, I've noticed they like they force you to take your vacation. I know for a fact in uh in Australia, they 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 require the government requires you know, all businesses over a certain number of employees to give you three months of what they call holiday and you have to take it. You know, we got the thing over here where some of your time rolls over, some of it doesn't. Um, But we all know people that are literally afraid to take vacation. It's given to you. Like you have this time. Let's say you got 20 hours of vacation. You work eight hours a day. That means you can take off two full days and probably a half, but we got people that are afraid to put in for vacation time because of the, per- the perception of what it might look like and the pressure that's going to come along with it. it was like, oh, well, you know, if I take two days off, when I come back, the pressure's going to get to me. Like, I'm going to have more work to do because I missed out. I'm not here. Or if I take two days, then how are my coworkers going to look at me because I left them with this load to deal with by themselves? But I want to throw that to you all, this scenario, because I know a lot of people are dealing with it. A lot of people are, and I'll go so far as to say, majority of people are dealing with it. Unless you're in that high level of upper management, to where you can literally do whatever you want. Like everybody's dealing with that, you know, that the pressure of I can't even take vacation, and I got it, I got it, I got it piled up. But it's like, dang, I can't. You know, I can't really do this to my job. I can't do this to my coworker. What will my boss think if I'm taking too much? You know, I'm taking vacation. It looks bad. Like, what? You know, let's, let, I just really wanted to throw that out there, and we can definitely dive way deeper into it in the after show because I know it's something that 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 that's with a lot
5: of people. But Doctor Love and I'll throw it to you first, and then DJ I'll throw it. I'll yeah. throw it to you after that. Go ahead. Well, you know, and it's funny, man. This is one of those things that uh, that uh, I think baby boomers. And Generation X, people have this leaving work guilt that I'm happy to say uh, the millennials have started to unload that, right? They're like, no, I I care about quality of life and my time means something to me and I'm taking all the vacation and I'm also, you know, demanding flex work schedules. They are a group as a generation overall that have decided to test the bounds of how human resources has traditionally treated and incentivized employees and they're like, no, my time means something to me and I want to have certain experiences and I recognize that, um, this job is designed, it's a tool to help me get um, a certain quality of life and that life matters. And so I think it's awesome that, uh, that young, younger people and younger generations Sort of have that as a part of their overall mindset that allows them to say, "Okay, well, I will you know, I am going to take some days because the prevailing sort of American notion is that the people out there, those are the real go getters, the people who are showing face time in front of all of the people at the office, those are the ones that are really getting everything done, and they're the grinders and everything else, and so people want to they don't want to be considered among the people who are not, the grinders are not committed, and and I'd say, number one, you have to recognize that commitment starts at home, and it starts with you and that person in the mirror, right? Because if you're committing your entire life and all this time to work so that, you know, you appear a certain way, I sure hope that that's your goal in life. I hope that that is, that you're comfortable with that, um, as, as this, the challenge for you and, and work perception everything to you, then, you know, then fine. But I, I will assure you that there are people who take their vacation, who make use of all of these things, don't feel guilty about it and make sure that they're as productive as they need to be during the time that they're there. Oh, and by the way, part of the reason that they can be more productive while they're there is because they're giving themselves the self-care that they need, right? They're taking a vacation. They're giving themselves the opportunity to exercise, um, and get proper sleeping. And so they, they are putting themselves in a place where they can also absorb and take the pressures associated with, um, with the job. Why? Because they've chosen to prioritize themselves and, and alleviate it too. So I, I would say that it's important to live your life in balance and some companies are better about being encouraging about these things than others. right? And and that encourage you to find out. And it's a tough question to ask. You can't ask it in the interview. You gotta find somebody who who's either worked at the company, which is not always very hard to find, especially with larger companies, and see how what their experience has been, um, in, in terms of self care, vacation. Um, you know, family, medical leave is necessary. Like, all of these things are extraordinarily important parts of your overall uh, compensation package. But more importantly, they're part of your quality of life package, right? The things that you're going to need where if stuff comes up or outside pressure comes up, you have the uh, mechanisms at work so that you can do the things that you need to do to live your life. Because at the end of the day, living your life is what this whole thing is about. It's not about you working a job so you can be a cog in the machine, but as long as you live and then they spit you out and they replace you with another cog, that's, no, your life is special. And you're meant to do things that are special, right? And you're meant to enjoy life. And so part of things is obviously organizing uh, work so that you can be productive. But the other part of it is recognizing that being productive when it comes to your physical self, your life, your mental well being, your feelings, your self actualization, the way that you approach relationships, and that stuff is gonna matter to you. That stuff does matter to you. So you have to give yourself time to address those things. And and I think you're silly if you think, well, you know, it's just gonna happen. Well what what just happened You know what just happens without you organizing and doing it on on the job? Oh yeah, that's right. Pressure and chaos. Same thing will happen with your life and your relationships if you don't tend to them in in an appropriate manner. You know, the person who who said they used to love you now feels neglected and is going to leave. Those types of things happen to people who get trapped up in work and whatever task they're in and the people around them. So. It's, it's about prioritizing things, man. They gotta go ahead, and you can make, you can priori- you can also automate and get help with that, man. I hear tell there's folks that will help you plan vacation. You can put it out there, know precisely when it is, organize everything all around it, so that you're leaving it, it's a lot more seamless to the company, and then you can really focus on enjoying yourself on a well-planned vacation. Come back refreshed. With them hot dog leg pictures that people be taking with the legs on on the beach, where they look like hot dogs. or black people they look like, like <laughs> not, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just want to let everybody know this
0: will will we'll take time, and thank you, Doctor Love, for throwing it this but, way. Um, if you do want to take advantage of, you know, having vacations planned down to the T, Flight 87 Travel is available for all your travel needs. See the world and the best it has to offer. Flight 87 Travel, a full-service travel agency.
2: Oh, did I throw that to you on
5: accident? My goodness! Hey,
0: it might have been subliminal. I it's don't know. It's amazing how that works sometimes.
4: No pressure.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
4: like, how they like, do the, hey, hey, commercials these days. They work them into the show.
5: They <laughs> like 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 the young folks
4: say, no cap.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but
0: uh, DJ, go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna throw it to you, man.
4: Yeah, man. So. For me, ba- balance is the key, right? Um, Doctor Levin alluded to it earlier, but when you when you think about this thing, man, you know, workplace flexibility is something that's that's major for my demographic. I am a millennial. I'm on the uh I'm on the very you know uh, upper echelon of what the millennial age range would be. But workplace flexibility has been crucial. It's been, it's been critical for me. It's one of the reasons why I probably stayed. In my role, as long as I've had or with my firm, as long as I've had, I have, because in order to gain flexibility, number one, you you have to be in an environment or a company. You talked about a little bit earlier about you know European companies. My company is actually owned by an Australian, and we're domiciled in Australia, and so there's mandatory leave um, for for managers, and those jobs tend to be a little bit higher stressed you're required to take two consecutive weeks off. So you're required to like no if and buts about it. You need to book it. You need to put it on the calendar. You take two consecutive weeks off. We have probably a, a, a more than generous vacation uh, schedule than most. All in you get about 30 days of vacation just as a standard employee. Um, and that doesn't include holidays or you can buy additional vacation or whatever and workplace flexibility is definitely there. You know, you think about working mothers, um, a lot of working mothers, if they're married to someone who's also in corporate or someone, let's say a firefighter or a civil engineer may have to travel for work, leave early, come home late. You know, that working mother is often responsible for pickup drop off of the child. Oh, the child is sick. I have to leave, go get the child uh doctor's appointments, et cetera, imagine an environment where there was no flexibility. How could some of the dynamic women that are contributing to these companies at such high levels be gainfully employed? So I think this is something that, you know, if, if an organization is not doing it, they're probably missing out on top talent because folks with responsibilities are just not going to work for you in that way. So going back to balance is key. I think you have a responsibility in that balance as well, right? So um, we talked about image and branding, and for for all those who may have missed it, for me, your image is simply what people see, and your brand is what people experience. So in your career, if you are the type of person whose brand has been responsibility, accountability, um, dependability, you're going to get more flexibility than others. And I can guarantee that even in an inflexible organization, because you have demonstrated that consistency, you're going to have a little bit more flexibility than others because you shifted the mindset of those in control. And I'll tell you another piece of this. Dr. Levin alluded to millennials, right? There has been a shift in mindset in terms of taking your vacation time and what's important to you because one thing is likely very true. Those boomers, uh, even those in the silent generation, most of those folks may have worked for one company their entire career, some two max. Most millennials have worked for two or three companies within the first seven years. So they're not tied to don't take your time, Uh, you're going to be worried about what your peers are going to say. Most of their peers are taking their time too, And it's either... Use it or lose it policy because folks are, folks are no longer allowing you to rack up on a hundred days of vacation because again, you know, my parents, you know, anything short of not being able to walk, you went to work. Same way they sent me to school. Hey, I'm sick. I can't go to school today. Can you walk? Yes. Where are you going? You know, that type of thing. They went to work that way. Now, they probably infected a lot of people with a lot of things, being sick at work, but who cares? You were present, and that's what mattered during that time. People in my organization will tell you right now, hey, if you're sick, don't come here. You can get everybody else sick, and now we have a whole sales force at home. So things are changing, and times are evolving but it really speaks to what Dr. Loving talked about is that pressure that the millennial generation has placed on the human resources professionals, because it's not just about the financial package that you offer. It's that quality of life package because my results matter as much as my attendance. So why do I have to be here in the office if I can do the same thing from home? You know, those questions are being asked. Those questions were never being asked before. Um, and I guess finally, what I would say around this is challenging the narrative of what production and uh responsibility looks like. You know, for all intents and purposes, if you ask my wife, how many days does Destrogan take off? She would just say none. Because even if I'm off, I take my phone with me, my laptop is with me, I kind of check it here and there. If something major is going on, I reach out because there are certain things that the X is just on my forehead for and you reach a certain level where your accountability matters to certain people and you can be away, but you need to be responsive. And I think you earn that flexibility because you're doing those things simultaneously. I can be away get a little downtime catch a break but I can be responsive if I'm gonna completely unplug who's accountable and who's responsible for that so it's really about accountability and making sure that you have a system of checks and balances in place but none of those things matter if you're not in a great state of mind taking care of your mental health like Dr. Loving said some self-care if you're not getting your self-care you're not going to be any good to your job, but more importantly, you're not going to be any good to your family. And I think that is the overarching issue. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you, if you secure the bag, quote unquote, for a few years, if you're going to be out of here based on a high level of stress, anxiety, and depression, you're more valuable than your job. And I think people, Need to realize that Dr. Levin says it all the time, people over things, but sometimes you got to choose you it has to be you as an individual over things, and I think we uh we 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 would be remiss if we didn't point that out as well. most definitely, I think you alluded to a great point is you know the
0: the basic necessity of communication to where you know like you like you stated, the ties are kind of changing to where people are now more receptive of, you know what, I'm I'm taking my time and I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to take a mental health day because I'm not going to, you know, put myself under pressure. And communicating that with your, you know, your management or your HR is just like, look, if I don't take a day, I'm not going to be at my best. And what you need from me is my best. So it's best for us, all of us, you know, that I get this break or whatnot. So I think, you know, the the bare necessity of communication in a sense is, is 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 you know is key and a lot of people have to learn how to just communicate those basic necessities where it's like look I, I need this day and you you have every right to take it. So I think one of the pre- the pressure of, you know, maybe historical societal norms where we were raised by, you know, you were raised by parents and grandparents who were just, like you said, they go to work every day, rain, shine, sleet, snow, ain't nothing right, you know, you, you know, almost coughing up blood, but can you still walk? All right, you're going. And we've been kind of conditioned in a sense to, you know, just be these so hardworking because it's like, oh, well, you know, look at such and such, he over there you know, got, got two kids and all this stuff going on and your arm broke, but he's still showing up to work and look at you perfectly fine. And you want to take a day off? What's wrong with you? And as you know, it's, we, 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 we all have, you know, maybe experienced it or seen it in some, uh, some sense of fashion, but just simple communication can be the, the thing that helps you overcome that challenge of the perception of that pressure. That is, that is, you know, should I, could I, would I? take these days or use this time to make myself better and if you, all you got to do is just simply to communicate but what i'll do is i'll throw it around to all of you and i'll start with dr lovin first to kind of you know wrap it up and give your closing remarks on this topic because you know i i, I do appreciate the way that this topic has kind of framed itself in the sense that we really kind of honed in on maybe you know the mental health aspect of it and it's very well much needed in this day and time like dr lovin alluded to and Definitely stay tuned to the after show because we'll dive way deeper into it because we got a lot of issues going on that can be, you know, attributed to, uh, you know, pressures whether it be from society, you know, or, or just, you know, external factors and then it turns to internal pressure from yourself. Well, people are being hard on themselves and they can't take it and, you know, they they do the choices, make the choices that they make.
5: But Doctor Lovin, I'll throw it to you to kind of wrap up and um, leave your closing remarks. Then I'll throw it to you, DJ. Yeah, so I mean for for me it really is about just uh, uh prioritizing yourself, right? Prioritizing yourself and your time is very important. And the way that you show yourself that you're important, um and, and that you believe in yourself is by setting those goals and putting those goals within to um and, and breaking them down into tasks and then, you know, looking at each task as a challenge and solving those challenges and getting better
4: um and, and handling
5: um, the, the pressures that do come along with those challenges. But then on top of that, recognizing that there will be other pressure that's around you that may uh that, that may affect your performance otherwise, may affect the quality of life, and you're gonna have to figure out coping strategies and ways to live your life so that you can deal with those deal with those pressures and rise to meet the challenges and make you um, a better person. And so um again, just Recognize those the, those differences and how that works, but more importantly, just um, organizing and, and moving yourself forward in, in a productive way and not being scared to reach out um, to get help in all of the ways that it might be necessary to get help. So that, that's all I have with that. That's a very short closing remark from you, Dr. Levin. You know, I, yeah, I, I think. I,
0: <laughs> What I think is, you got a lot to say in the after show, so you know. I'm, well, I'm, I'm yeah,
5: waiting. yeah, I, I think we may, because it was a whole topic that was that we did. were, we're going to go over on that. Nah. Oh, yeah. yeah you oh tell, yeah. You can tell
4: you tuned up.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, DJ. I'll
4: be brief as well. Um, I would just like to reiterate a couple of things. You need to control what you can control. Things that are outside of your control, you are literally wasting your most valuable resource worrying about it. Worrying has never changed anything. (laughs) Literally ever. But it's something that we do so often. So I want our listeners to remember that. Your imagination is undefeated. Literally. So as much you know uh, anxiety that you can give yourself with your imagination. Uh, Imagine if you took just a little bit of that and poured it into something positive, drafting the plan, like Dr. Loving said, automating some things to make things a little bit easier, surrounding yourself with people with complementary skill set that might help you deal with some of this anxiety. Again, maybe you don't want to call it help. Maybe it's advice. We're here for you. There's a group of professionals that are out there for you. You know, if... Anyone listening to this podcast is suffering from any type of depression, any type of anxiety. I implore you to talk to someone close to you. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, please seek the advice of a professional because your mental health is more important to your well-being than any currency on the face of this planet.
0: Well put, well put indeed, as as usual. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, definitely stay tuned to the after show because we, I, you know, from what I can gather by the brief uh, remarks from both of my colleagues, it's it's a lot that we got to say that we can delve deep. And if you've ever listened to the after show, you already know it's where we, you know, we 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 pull a little more and and we really get into it. So these are my closing remarks. You know, when it comes to overcoming challenges and dealing with pressure. Um, always keep in mind the pressure of perception, and whether it's, you know, whether it's your own or if it's uh, societal inflicted pressures, just put things into perspective and understand that it may not always be as bad as it seems, and like Dr. Levin and uh, DJ always alluded to his prioritized, and we always say, Dr. Levin always says, people over things, and remember, you are the people, don't be afraid to do the things that are necessary to make sure that you choose yourself um, there's an old song that some of you may or may not know where uh, it says i choose you now the song doesn't necessarily go into context here but we just take that piece from it i choose you and you being yourself choose yourself people over things make sure that you are the people and you know just keep that in mind and since you know this topic has driven us into this direction uh, organically about, you know, mental health and whatever. Um, I will mention that the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, the number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, 273 8255 and it's available 24 hours every day. Once again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, 273 8255 and it's available 24 hours every day. And like DJ said, I'll also extend myself, and Dr. Levin will extend ourselves. You, you can reach out to us on all our social media and our websites and our emails any of that, if you feel like you want to talk to us, if you're done talking to people that are around you, because like we mentioned in the beginning, you know, you, you, you can't, you, you, sometimes it takes a, you know, an unbiased nonpartisan party to, to, to put things in perspective for you, to help you overcome, um, challenges and deal with pressure. Um, so we may be that party for you. It may be someone else, but definitely, you know, don't give up in the, in the, in the, in the middle of things. And take time for yourself. But for all of us here at the Brethren Podcast, we invite you to stay tuned to the after show where we continue this conversation and get more in-depth. Check us out on our Instagram at Brethren Pod, that's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D on Instagram. And you can check us at all of our internet domains. You can find Dr. Loving PhD at ajamuloving.com. That's A-J-A-M-U-L-O-V-I-N-G dot com. You can check out DestrianWalesConsulting.com, and you can also find me at Um, MMBBGW.com. Like I said, we
4: appreciate you all for listening, and stay tuned to the after show.